Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new edition of Conspire a Theory podcast. It has been a while since I've recorded, um, due with current events with the quarantine and now with the demonstrations over uh, recent events, which we will be discussing briefly with me and my guest, Miracle Austin. Hey, Miracle, how are you doing? I'm fine, Chris. Thank you so much for having me again on your amazing podcast. And um, just dealing with a lot of things, you know, yeah. there's so much going on in our world, you know, from uh, COVID, um, all types of racial injustice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and I think the, the and we'll, we'll discuss that briefly. We're not going to dwell too much on that in this show, but we will address it because we know that you listeners are at home and everyone is talking about it. We're, we have a, a topic ahead that we are going to discuss, which is revamping the vampire. We're going to make a reference into literature and stuff like that, like uh, what vampires have become and what we've done with them since the twilight boom. Um, but first, we are going to address current events because, you know, it, it's what's happening and and we're going to sort of like maybe give our takes whether I, I'm pretty sure that everyone universally is is on on the same page i i haven't heard anyone yet say been an explosion of 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 just passion and and conversation since the uh george lloyd um incident mm -hmm. and i have yet to see anyone who's like you know like ah oh, that is totally okay and acceptable everybody is outraged everybody is on the same page everybody is like we need to we can do better as a culture and a society and i think what has happened is uh, social media which was always an ugly place has mm. sort of taken this and run with it and like and and i think in a way you know uh, is sort of like making things worse in in a way, and, and I'll discuss that, is that I think it was uh, Hugh Jackman who had mm -hmm. recently posted a, a photograph of, of a demonstrator and a cop hugging, and, and he's like, you know, solidarity, you know, peace and stuff like that, and he was viciously attacked on social media, mm -hmm. which was, you know, I mean... People are trying to castigate him and, and try to imply that, like, oh, you had a photo with this famous person, like, however many years ago, you, you, you am bad. And, oh. and it's, and there seems to be this, uh, online consensus of if you're not speaking out enough, you are the enemy. And the thing is, you know, um, people like me and, and yourself, Miracle, Yes. You know, we, we look at our phones, mm -hmm. you know, we don't live in our phones. No. I mean, we will, we'll post about it. We'll discuss it. Mm -hmm. And then in mm -hmm. person, we'll discuss it at, with our, with our friends and stuff like that. And we don't have to, we don't always have to demonstrate online to appease these masses because we're living it. We're, okay. we're living the, our, our, our movement where we're, you know, we're actually out there in the real world, you know, doing these things. And, and I think what happens is like the, the, some people are like saying like, well, if you're not posting enough, you don't care. And it's like, you know, it's like, Hey, the, we, we have lives. We have to, to go out there and do stuff. Now, one of the things that I see often misconstrued is people are trying to uh, conflate the, 
peaceful demonstrations and protests with the with the riots and looting, mm-hmm. and they are, are clearly not the same thing. Um, but I understand the recipe for the chaos. We've we've just come out of, or or we're probably just coming out of quarantine. Um, a lot of people lost their jobs and, and it was very, unfortunately, you know, some would argue like, you know, uh, unjustly so that a lot of people were, were unfortunately put out of work. Uh, and then uh, many other people who weren't put out of work, they had like everyone else's workload thrust upon them. So there is a lot of social and, and cultural and economic burden that that we are all dealing with whatever industry you are in whatever it is that you're doing we're mm-hmm. we're dealing with that so i can understand that coming to an explosion um what what we're seeing now is that this sort of like you know i mean some of us are reaching a point where it's like okay the the first explosion we we kind of get that and then now it's like okay we're we're getting tired of this we we need mm-hmm. to have peace and and you know burning down stuff looting targets and all that stuff and all this people getting into fights and stuff like this it's gotten to the point where it's become a spectacle mm. um i think you have you seen the there, there's like all kinds of footage of 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 you know of 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 looters and stuff and the thing is the peaceful demonstrators they're getting tired of it Mm-hmm. You can clearly see that they are tired of it. Uh, there are several uh, demonstrators. I don't know if they're from uh, Black Lives Matter or not, mm-hmm. uh, but they are. They you can see several examples online of them coming out to to the looters and rioters and saying, "Hey, cut it out! You know, don't don't do this. People are going to think that's us. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. absolutely. And and it's not, you know, cut the crap mm-hmm. and." You even see, like, still even peaceful protesters, you know, BLM type of people coming up and def- even defending the, the, the police and mm-hmm. and defending, you know, local properties and businesses. Because a lot of these businesses were small mom and pop shops yeah. that were just they're just coming out of the quarantine and uh-huh. they were hit so hard. Exactly. Very um, difficult. The comic book industry, like all the comic book shops, they are practically dead now and a lot of them have been looted and ransacked by by Mm -hmm. uh, by looters which is very unfortunate it is extremely yeah and a lot of these businesses are minority owned Mm -hmm. Uh, i think uh, we've all seen the story of um i think i i believe he was a he a man who owned a bar he was a, a black gentleman he he put all his life savings into this bar yes i know what you're talking about Chris. yeah uh could you could you expand on that? I know Tell a little bit you, about the know? story, Chris. Yeah, let me know but what can, you know. But Oh, no, no, you're okay. But I can only imagine when you invest all of your life savings in a business and then to watch it grow and then overnight to see it destroyed. Um, I, can't, I can't imagine mm. what it's going through financially, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. Just so many things um, for this um, unfortunate event for him and his family. So everything is gone. I'm I'm hoping and praying he had insurance to cover, but I don't know. I don't yeah. know when he'll be able to rebuild. I, I pray that he's able to rebuild eventually, but I can only imagine that devastation. It's it's traumatizing, you know, on different levels as well for him. 
just to see everything just gone. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's the thing is, you know, we don't know if the insurance will cover uh, yeah. civil unrest. We exactly. don't know that. They're probably covered for fire and flood and natural mm -hmm. disasters and acts of God. This, we, I don't know if this is in any of their clauses, but yeah, that's, the, that's the part. Yeah. That's and, part. and from what I've heard, um, I think social media has, um, had a move, have, has had a mini movement and crowdfunding to help him out. Oh, so hopefully, great. I haven't heard that, but yeah, that's wonderful. That, that his family has, has had, uh, the funds to come out of that as well as crowdfunding has, great as well as for George, George Floyd's family, mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. the social media again, you know, yeah. as showing the positives that, uh -huh. that what we can do with this medium, exactly. there has been a huge outpouring of financial support. Yeah. And that's what I like seeing is where people put, I mean, as much as we post black squares and mm -hmm. tag the, you know, black lives matter hashtag, putting mm -hmm. your, your money towards something. Exactly. That that is making the biggest difference, mm -hmm. and also, mm -hmm. and let's let's just face it, just going out there being a, a good person, and because a lot of us, you know, any kind of, I mean, I'm not saying racism doesn't exist; it absolutely does, but for the most of us, I mean, in our daily lives, you know, we're we're not out there trying to uh, instigate anything with with our friends, or, or at least, you know, me and you, I'm. I'm I'm guessing we're not, we're not, we're not trying to instigate conflicts with, no. with our, with people that we mm -hmm. run into in our daily lives. And, yeah. and that is how, you know, on a, on a personal level that, that we fight that, that injustice is mm -hmm. in our daily lives. And, and the thing is, and I've heard people, you know, like a lot of conspiracy in the conspiracy movement, which, which mm -hmm. I'm in, it's like, this is blown up on a whole different level. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm not going to get too into that because that's not the focus of this show yeah. mm -hmm. but i've heard people you know lay whispers of you know oh race war race war and i've and heard I'm, that too i've read different things I yeah have. yeah and i'm like i i, I don't know about you i, I don't want to pry into your life but there are i don't know if if you if you have a, a multiracial household or not but I, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you have a multiracial household. Uh -huh. right. I am the product of a multiracial household. Okay. And, and whenever people whisper race war and stuff like that, uh -huh. I guess people like me and you yeah. are like, like, whoa, okay. Okay. We, yeah. I can't have that. Cause no matter what, no matter who wins the race war, I lose. Yeah. <laughs> Cause no, no matter, no. no matter what we're screwed. <laughs> It's true. It's, yeah. it's so, so sad, but yes. And let's be honest. And that's like people like us who we are creatives. We're, we're fans mm -hmm. where we, we uh, work in the media of literature and stuff like that. I mean, the violence and, and outrage and stuff like that. Leave that shit to us. Mm. I mean, if you want violence, come to us. We leave violence in your, your competitive sports and video games and movies and, and books and stuff. Leave that shit to us because mm. we know what we're doing and people don't get hurt. It's not something that needs to be enacted out in real life. Now, mm -hmm. I understand that there is the whole, you know, um, I'm dealing with economic stuff, frustrations, and I, I just need to lash out and stuff like that. I, mm -hmm. I understand it. 
Uh, it doesn't justify looting and stuff like that. I mean, there are other ways to to handle that. And of course, I'm I'm sure I'm going to be told, you know, how dare you? You are insensitive mm. and stuff like that. You know, it's like, hey, sorry. But it's just, we don't need violence. There is no call for in the real world. I mean, violence is pretty much what was the catalyst of this, was, was the catalyst of, of even more violence. So... So if if uh, if an if a single act of violence was able to to beget a large scale national and almost global mm-hmm. act of violence, then even more violence is just going to do even worse. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm definitely on the side of you know, hey, let's just keep the protests and demonstrations peaceful, and and I, I'm you know I'm sure we're on the same page on that. Um, yeah. Do you do you have any uh, additional thoughts on that? Oh no, I just I think it's interesting that you said that, and I do I do support peaceful protesting. I think when it turns when peaceful protesters are transformed into something else because of negative um, force or negativity um, expressed to them, I think that's really unfortunate yeah. um, because. You know, the cause was all the the start was always to be peaceful. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I can see that evolve quickly, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and that's that's the part that really breaks my heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and a big a big no to the race war guys, because <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. the thing is is like I mean, like I said, you know, we're gonna get screwed over. You know, those of us who are who are multiracial and stuff, we we don't get to pick whose side we're on. Because we're everybody's enemy. Because this whole, you know, purity and and stuff like that and supremacy on on whoever's side, that's a that's a fight that I can't win. Mm-hmm. And and some of us, you know, we've already gone out and and made our decisions that you know, let's uh, it's like, hey, we don't the the whole racial division and stuff like that. We're not aligned to that type of thing. No. You know, it, it's going to hurt like a lot of people mm-hmm. in an unfortunate way. But yeah. I just wanted to make sure that, that we got with that and, and dealt with that beforehand before moving on to our main topic. Uh, do you have any uh, clothing, clo- clothing, <laughs> closing <laughs> thoughts on, on that topic, Miracle? You know, one thing I just want to just say, Chris, and I still appreciate you bringing this extremely sensitive topic up and sharing your thoughts and et cetera. And I know everyone has different beliefs and things of that nature. And that's, that's fine. But one thing I just want to, I just have a quotation that I just want to share and then we can definitely move on. I don't know where it came from, but I, it really hit home for me. um, What empathy um, is. And I just wanted to read it real quickly. And then, like I said, I'm going to let you, continue um but like i said i wish i knew where it came from but i just kind of found it um just searching the internet one day because i wanted something impactful and this really did impact me um i'm gonna read it and then i'll let you continue empathy is simply listening holding space withholding judgment emotionally connecting and communicating that incredibly healing message of you're not alone that's it. And that was by Gandalf on the Harry Potter series. 
Okay. Written by I Mark Twain. I was like, where did this come from? <laughs> uh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. That, 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 was, okay. that was just a joke. That was just a joke. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, we, we can joke and we can prod. And yeah. the thing is, yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, like everyone will say, like, when it comes to, like, racial stuff like this, and, and then people bring up humor a lot. Um, like, you'll yeah. often hear people say, like, oh, Blazing Saddles, you couldn't make that movie today. I know. I know. And, it and is... you know, since you mentioned that movie, you know, when I watched it, I was a young, I was a young girl when I watched that movie. And, you know, I didn't understand everything about you know racism discrimination and separatism and just all of that you know being so young and not being exposed to things yet but when I watched it I knew something wasn't right something just wasn't right with that movie but I couldn't figure it out until later in life you know when I watched it and it's been it's been years since I've seen it but it yes that that's interesting <laughs> that you brought that up mm. yeah. mm-hmm. but yeah. anyway okay yeah, yeah, and and that's yeah. that's an that's another topic that we could probably get into, but um, yeah, yeah, it is another topic. But we'll we'll do that. We'll we'll leave that at the table for now. Um, okay. Let's let's go ahead and get into what we're here for: vampires. Okay. Revamping <laughs> the vampire. It seems mm-hmm. since the twilight boom of of I guess the early aughts. The vampire has gone through a bit of a radical transformation in literature, and we have seen it just explode on the screen and in literature, and there was sort of a a vampire boom that went, I think even in the Marvel comics, there was a phase where everybody became a vampire. And, Mm -hmm. And with some characters, you know, they were better off as vampires than they were as not and then I think it was in even in literature, you know, some of the authors and stuff like that, so many people who had worked hard in horror and stuff like that, they sort of like felt like, you know, like this sudden boom of, of this sort of fetishization mm-hmm. of what, you know, was a scary monster into sort of a, a young adult heartthrob thing. You know, it's like, ah, oh, we got to take the vampire back. We got to refang mm-hmm. the vampire. And since then, there has been a lot of ways and methods that people are trying to sort of rearm vampires in literature. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it's AMC has a Dracula series, which I hear is is sort of based more closely off the source material of um, of, of the novel and and the the Bram Stoker's novel. And mm-hmm. I've I've been hearing rave reviews about it, and it's sort of you know, at first, you know, um, the the vampire from the Twilight was sort of this this almost creepy stalker type of guy, and and it was like somewhat of a, what some would consider an abusive relationship. But then people want to take, well, you know, there's this sort of primal um, sexual, uh, like sexual dominating type of um, element with the vampire that some people felt was lost. This sort of like I guess uh, emasculating power fantasy that I guess some people are trying to reinsert into it to make it not sort of an abusive thing, but more of like a like a power and seductive thing, where before it's not something where the vampire simply sneaks in and and you know either tricks people or takes them by force, but rather seduces 
you know, their their prey into a sort of a into sort of, you know, wanting, you know, wanting to be to be taken by the vampire and stuff like that. And and in a way to sort of, you know, bring it into a, a sort of thing. And we'll even see it in even in humor. Uh, there was a new series called What We Do in the Dark, mm. which was I think was first uh, done by um, uh, what is his name? Taki Watiki. Mm-hmm. He had done, uh, I believe that is his name. He had done like a, a mini document, like a documentary about, you know, like vampires sort of brought up in modern day. It was sort of like a play off of the Anne Rice interview with the vampire. Okay. Which, you know, pre-Twilight was sort of like a sort of, uh, was a prime example of what I'm saying. It was this sort of... Um, prominent sexualization of of vampires where when vampires first started they were in lore and in myth it was sort of like a um, it was a is a way of how people dealt with the social panic of dealing with uh with in their times pandemic and um uh, it was pandemic and it was like uh, not really you know, understanding the the decomposition of bodies and stuff like that. It's where like people were looking for answers and they were they were just digging up everything, literally, to just try to explain things. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you know, it it's sort of like, you know, as the body decomposes, you know, uh, the skin re- recedes and nails look like they're growing and, and teeth look like they become fangs because the gums lose blood mm-hmm. and, and the gums will recede. And that's where people, and they would often, because uh, the embalming practices at the time, blood would well up in the mouth mm-hmm. of the corpses and the cadavers. So people would without, you know, aha, vampires. Mm-hmm. And there was sort of the undead had come back to life. And I guess there was a, at first it was sort of a, a, a primal, you know, uh, famine element put to it. And then later on, I guess it was sort of sexualized um, because people would have, you know, they would have uh, night paralysis episodes. And, and I guess it must have been like issues of the succubus was sort of wrapped into mm-hmm. the vampire. And people would deal with it through superstition mm-hmm. and, and, and lore and stuff like that. And I I noticed that in later times, even that became, uh, there was sort of a division of lore. Like what we now see as the modern day um, zombie Mm -hmm. is what sort of, what what the model of what a vampire was in ye olden times. Mm -hmm. And then I guess there was, I guess with the Bram Stoker novel, that caused a, a a sort of a bridge, sort of a gap where we now, instead of having, you know, one literary species, instead we had it bridged into two where there was a fork in the road where, you know, the zombies became more, uh, more, it was more of a, they became more decrepit. They, they became, you know, more decayed. They, they, they became closer associated with death. And then the vampire bridged off, and became more associated with sort of, uh, I guess, sort of undeath, and it mm-hmm. went into a sort of a more sexual nature. Um, 
and it was sort of a way, I guess, for people to um, subtly uh, deal and and discuss, you know, the the issues of of sexuality in their culture because at the time, you know, that was simply uncouth. Mm-hmm. You you could not talk about those things in in polite company, <laughs> you know, which I, I I totally get. And but there is that sort of outlet, and people need something to to pour that sort of energy and and fascination into and i guess the vampire became the pretty pretty much the catalyst for that and, and then i think during the 80s um during the aids ep- <laughs> during uh-huh. the aids epidemic yeah. um the vampire sort of saw a, a sort of subtle rebirth because now we have this sort of blood transfusion and and sexuality thrown into it and then sort of vampires, you know, sort of came in again to sort of a way to discuss these issues and, and, and deal with them in a way. Um, and then I, I guess now with, um, have you seen any recent examples uh, post-Twilight of, of vampires that you find absolutely fascinating? You know, I'm, I'm thinking, I was thinking about that. I've been thinking about it for a little bit. But I think for me, the most fascinating vampire, I think, at this time for me, it's two. It's going to be Blade and Morbius. Um, when I first heard of Blade, I, I never knew um, there was such a thing as, you know, prior to Blackula. But that's another story. I won't <laughs> even get into that. But um mm-hmm. I was really shocked. Um, I, I just never saw anything like that before. Um, when I first heard about it, um, watched the you know trilogy and read some of the comics, yeah. um, he really impressed me. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I, he was a hero in yeah. my eyes. He wasn't the villain. Yeah, the we, usually the vampire yeah. is the villain. <laughs> yeah, we um, we went uh-huh. in, in in your last appearance. We went off on Blade, mm-hmm. and. You're, you, we, I had asked you to come back to review the Morbius movie. Mm-hmm. Now, with uh, the quarantine, yes. the, the COVID, uh-huh. unfortunately, has pushed the release of Morbius. Yes, it has. And because, but thing is, I still want to talk to you. <laughs> I, I still want to have you on my show. Yeah, it's like, I just, I really do. I thought maybe it was gonna, you know, with everything going on, like, well, would it be another time? But yeah, it's like, I'm so happy that I got it. I got it. I still got to get you back. And, and, and it's like, I, I, you know, I I can't wait. But it's, it's the thing is, is, you know, so the Morbius review, we will do that. Yeah. It has been pushed back, Mm -hmm. but we can still discuss vampires in literature, which is what we're discussing now. We have gone into Blade. Um, last episode, we may retread some of those topics. You are free to uh, go back into the library and, and check out that episode. It was Miracle Austin, you know, uh, what was it? Vampires, Voodoo, and the Rougarou was your <laughs> first appearance on the show. And we went off on Blade and let's yeah. revisit Blade. Blade was sort of, yeah, Blade was sort of, um, Again, he was sort of pre-Twilight, but he was probably a great example of mm-hmm. what people wanted in vampire literature, of mm-hmm. what people sort of, what they, they yearned for. Because even during the Twilight thing, you kept, now you've seen the, the meme of 
where it has Edward and then you see Blade photoshopped in the background. I have seen that. I have. <laughs> I have. And I'm sure a lot of Twilight fans were not happy with it. <laughs> and I understand because um, I have some good friends who are Twilight fans, hard, hard Twilight fans. And so I totally respect that. I do. Um, but I can, yeah, I, I have seen that a few times. <laughs> and and what I what I like about Blade as well is he is sort of uh, a heroic vampiric yes. character mm-hmm. and he is so multi-layered yeah he yes. has he he's a he's a prime example of good character building uh-huh. um what we have now which is one of my frustrations is in literature that i'm noticing and and a lot of people are keying in on this is that oftentimes characters are brought in and they're called mary sue's and mm-hmm. stuff like that, where they're brought in and they're they're get, not given flaws, and they're good at everything, and everyone loves them. Mm-hmm. And but I mean, that's that's not a good character, you know. And unfortunately, it, it's it's not relatable. It's not it's not you know it's not and it's not someone that you can easily cheer for, even though they may be a prime demographic of of whatever it is that you're trying to. Um, trying to proselytize or, or whatever. But the thing is, is with Blade, he was a deep, complicated character. He has had this sort of uh, hyper-masculine um, air to him, and yet he still had vulnerabilities. He was, mm-hmm. he, he came off like this invincible badass, but he had his weaknesses. Yeah. You know, um, even though in the lore, you know, they say like, oh, he has all of our strengths, none of our weaknesses. Uh-huh. But that does not mean that he is without vulnerability. Mm-hmm. He is not invincible. Exactly. He still has the hunger mm-hmm. you know, for so. for blood. He needs it. You know, he, he still requires it on a level. Um, but, you know, even with that hunger, he still fights against, you know, what would be, you know, the, the sort of pure vampire um be they, you know, like the Dink and Frost character in the first Blade movie, which was, by all accounts, one of the best developed villains I have ever seen in yes. a, a Marvel film. I agree with you. And and he, and and the first Blade movie was, which was probably for me the the absolute best. It was the the pinnacle mm-hmm. of of character development for Blade. Yeah. Um. We had one where he had sort of he had this vulnerability. He had mother issues. Um, mm-hmm. He had you know he had yeah. un, unresolved issues with his mother, and then it was in the in the movie it was brought in where he had to deal with that conflict directly. Yeah, and it was just it was it was fascinating to watch him as a character. Mm-hmm. You know, in this world, you know, have to deal with those issues, and and okay. you cheered for him because. With mm-hmm. with all his vulnerabilities and weaknesses and stuff like that, and and drawbacks, he still came out triumphant. Exactly, which, I still agree, Chris. Yeah, which made cheering for him all mm-hmm. that more. You know, it's it's like we want to see the the good guy win. We want to see the mm-hmm. the sort mm-hmm. of the underdog win. And I feel with the with what the modern thing of of creating these sort of Mary Sue characters without flaws. Mm-hmm. Is they're not the underdog. They're they're underdog by circumstance, but if they can do everything great and they're good at everything and everyone likes them, 
then that's not what an underdog is. There's nothing to get behind. We can't cheer for them. Mm-hmm. What I found was one of the most endearing uh, qualities of Blade is I think you, um, the first scene, or one of the first scenes where the the female protagonist, I, I mm-hmm. forgot her name, mm-hmm. she she was going home. She thought she was being followed. You know, she was paranoid and rightfully so because mm-hmm. like just last night she discovered the world is full of secret vampires yeah. and, and there is a secret world underneath the real world that that she was completely oblivious to her entire life. So her world has been rocked mm-hmm. and she is attacked. And then Blade comes out. He he saves her and then Blade robs the the bad guys. Mm-hmm. The, the the bad guys, you know, and 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 she at at first their relationship is a very rocky, believable relationship. Yes, it is. Very it, much. it is totally believable and rocky. And mm-hmm. she's like, you know, like, oh, you're robbing that guy. You're going to rob me too? And mm-hmm. then he says to her, the, <laughs> the greatest line is like, like, what do you think this is? The March of Dimes? You know, and, and it puts a sort of, you know, realistic edge that we would not see in, in modern characters today to the character where, where, you know, he's not entirely likable. Mm-hmm. And, and that is sort of, you know, he, it gives him this sort of, you know, edge, edginess to him. Yes, it does. And this sort of um, moral ambiguity to him that sort of, you know, makes him a more, that, you know, even though he is this somewhat flawed, you know, morally flawed character mm-hmm. as well, you know, you still want to cheer for him. He he still yeah. comes off as this ultimate, you know, invincible badass that like, oh, he, he is so cool. You know, everybody, everybody wanted to be Blade. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and he is just, you know, like, like I said, you know, he's the man's man type of thing. And, and it's just, I keep bringing up the, the, the word masculinity mm-hmm. that he represents that. Mm-hmm. That sort of, that sort of, you know, you know, allure type of stuff like that, that he represents a sort of raw, uh, determined power, which he acquired through, you know, training and discipline and all these, you know, what we consider admirable qualities. Mm-hmm. And, and he is sort of, you know, tr- you know, triumphant through that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when I, when I first, you know, watched and everything and just took it all in, Chris, I wanted to be Blade, you know, I was like, Wow. You know, <laughs> it's an amazing feeling, you yeah. know, just just so amazing. So, you know, I know, you know, as far as his character, but I just wanted to, to be, you know, part of everything that he was, you know, exhibiting. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the Blade is such a, a great character mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and Marvel, Marvel offices, if you're listening, um, I, I think miracles for hire. You can. <laughs> oh my god! If you that's, need that's... someone to do, <laughs> hey, Marvel Secret Cabal. If you need someone to write some good Blade stories, um, oh. Miracle. She, you, you can get her at. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah, yeah. Let me just slip, slip you guys her her email address. Um, I the the I yeah, I would like to to see your take on such a character. Um, I've I've gone through a couple of your stories, mm. and 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 you're you're a a really good writer. Uh, and with 
you know your proficiency for short stories you you do a great job of of establishing a world of character a dynamic and then uh, execution of the plot and i i think you know i mean if i want to see anyone write blade stories i want to i want to see you do them oh chris thank you wow that is a huge huge compliment yeah yeah huge yeah, and, and, and when you get that job, remember, I'm for hire as an of artist. Course. I will you know. definitely. <laughs> definitely, Chris, but, not but, a problem at all. But, but I was going to ask you, if you remember, Chris, mm-hmm. um, it was a scene. It wasn't used in the first Blade, but there was a scene cut. And I didn't know this until like maybe, I don't know, a few, few yeah, years the, ago. Yeah, a few years ago. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, you know exactly where I was going with that. Yeah, are you, are you talking about the the baby in the tank? Uh, well, I was talking about Morbius on the roof. In Blade? Uh-huh. They never used the scene. Hmm. Uh-huh. I didn't know it, like I said, until recently. And so I was like, and you know, that's, what's, that's what sparked my interest about Morbius. When I saw that scene, I'm like, "Who in the world is that?" Could you could you um, could you expand on that? Because I don't think I've heard about this in particular. Yeah, yeah. It's go ahead and bring this up. My, my husband told me about it a while back. It's the first Blade, mm-hmm. and you can YouTube it, and you can just type in um, probably Blade, um, the ending, Morbius, and there's a character you can't really see his face, but he has like a trench coat on. Um, I believe, and and Blade looks up, and he knows. He knows who it is, apparently. Mm-hmm. And it ends really fast, you know, so you're just kind of left there like, huh, what? how would that have ended? You know, what direction were they going to go with it? But they never did anything with it, yeah. so that's when I became a little bit more interested in Morbius. Like, who is he? Where did he come from? Um, you know, so... Okay. I think... Yeah. Um... Yeah. yeah, you get who, a chance. Just YouTube it. Okay, yeah. Who owns the blade? Who owned the blade property then? I think it was Miramax. Was it? Was it Miramax <laughs> or Lionsgate? Marvel went. And they had, you know, they had so much bankruptcy, and I think it was Lionsgate. I, I want to <laughs> say Lionsgate. Oh, Lionsgate had a Dark Knights series okay. going for a while, where they took. I, I think I don't know if Blade was the first. I think I want to say the first Blade was done by Merrimax, and then uh, maybe Lionsgate did the other ones. I, I could look it up, but I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm just, to, I'm just off the top of my you. head. It's it's not that big a deal. But, That's okay. That's all right. But I I, um, I definitely. Anyhow. Um, but yeah, I, I think that was probably a, a rights issue that they did with that. I is, is, but the idea that even in the days of Blade, that they were toying with the idea of an expanded universe, mm-hmm. which, you know, I mean, at the time, because of the way that the movies were done, and and you got to give a lot of credit, uh, credit to Joss Whedon for doing this. Oh, gosh, yes. Is that the idea of having a cross-promotional expanded universe, I mean, we were hungry for, we were always hungry for that. Mm-hmm. But it's because of the marketing of how they do the films that they could just do them as a one-off. And for them to do that, they would have to put like a lot of money into it and it would have to have a definite payoff, which of course we saw with Avengers. Mm-hmm. And now everyone is trying that model and they're unfortunately failing. And I remember, I think it was, yeah, let's bring, and we can bring the vampires round back into this. Um, there was Dracula Untold, which was supposed to be 
the start of a sort of a, a dark universal series expanded universe. Mm-hmm. That was their first attempt at it. And then they tried it again, I think, with The Mummy. And, they did. And they I, had, I know. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they, they hit the point where it's like, uh, then they went and they did uh, early 90s Marvel with their characters. Like, okay, this isn't working. Let's just license the hell out of them. Oh, no. Let other studios do it. And then Blumhouse, mm. they did their launch with The Invisible Man, which was just gangbusters. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I haven't seen the film but I've okay. seen the synopsis yeah, okay. of it, I, and and it it is it looks fascinating. It was. I I, I mean I I don't want to watch that movie because it, it's like oh it it uh, <laughs> that type of attention horror film. I I get why people would love that, mm-hmm. and I think the 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 female lead in that was an interesting take. Where you see the the thing from her perspective, yeah. and I I think I remember in the in the Invisible Man lore, I think they tried something similar to that with the the Hollow Man Kevin Bacon series, mm-hmm. but yes, that was sort of you know like it, it was it was just basically guy gets invisible, mm-hmm. instantly becomes serial rapist, you know, and yeah. like okay that that's that's yeah. boring. Um, but with this one, it was more of a, they, they did a psychological bent yes, on it. They really did. And, and when you do watch it, I really, I no, I'm, I'm not going to watch it. I'm scared. Oh, but, <laughs> but Chris, I will tell you this. It's, um, you know, when you said it's definitely psychological Yeah. and how, what a, what another human being can actually place another human being like torture. Yeah. And to try to defend yourself around others, and they're like, oh, my goodness, you know, that person is mentally ill. And in reality, she really is not. But mm-hmm. just to see her work through it and to see her evolve and, and the ending is just like, yes. So when yeah. you get a chance, it's it's empowering. It really yeah. it really was. I, I believe you. I don't I don't doubt you. It's it's I, I get what you're saying. And, and I, mm-hmm. I totally see that the, the approach that they, that they took. With mm-hmm. uh, taking a character and yeah. and you know sort of mi- mixing up the dynamic where mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people who hadn't seen the movie who don't get it were criticizing it on the whole oh this is just glorifying um, abuse and it's like no mm-hmm. it's it's a story of mm-hmm. someone coming into their own and triumphing mm-hmm. through abuse exactly and and it's like showcasing because you know I mean. We need monsters in our stories. Mm-hmm. And with this one, the monster was sort of the ultimate monster was an abusive boyfriend, mm-hmm. which is for for many, many people, unfortunately, hits so close to home. Oh, yes. Because does. that is such a real and believable. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and real villain that exists in our natural world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And because of that, I think that's why it, it hit the way yeah. that it did. And and you know kudos to them for that, mm-hmm. um, and and bringing that back around into the vampire, that I guess people are trying to sort of bring that sort of that into to make the vampire a relatable, mm-hmm. uh, believable villain and monster in our natural world. And I think that was first done through, you know, the the sexual context and and through AIDS and and then I think later on. It's also they're throwing their keys of of dealing with addiction. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. As far as, you know, the, the main character sort of, you know, having a level of sympathy for it because they their bloodlust is ultimately uncontrollable where mm-hmm. they sort of have the they have like all this power and strength and stuff like that. But they're they have the vice of this sort of lust where they can't gain that unless they hurt someone. Exactly. And and it's it's just uh you know, that that's just sort of a, a tragic dynamic, power dynamic, which is sort of put into play that makes the vampire interesting as a as a literary character. Mm-hmm. It surely does. Absolutely. Um mm-hmm. Another example of uh, do do you have like you brought up Blade uh, any anything else you got as far as other vampire stories as that yeah, because I, I got one I want to bring up I don't know I guess well I guess I'll take the ball now because I, I oh, said it to ahead. you go and ahead, then you bring it. it back to me and okay so one of one of my favorite uh-huh. um, vampire examples was the first movie Night Watch. Uh, Night Watch is a is a it's a it's sort of like a, a mini novel series, like a trilogy series mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Russian novels set in a paranormal supernatural world, and and they made two movies based off the novels. Um, I don't know if they're going to make a third because the second movie pretty much wrapped up everything. Mm-hmm. But the it's pretty much set in. It, just think of like a world where witches and, and vampires and stuff are real. Uh-huh. And, but it's sort of done the sort of secret society under the veil of, of natural society in modern Russia. And the director, he's the guy, he, he have you seen the movie Wanted with uh, Angelina Jolie? I have seen that, yes. Yeah, the guy who directed that directed the Night Watch series. Oh, okay. Um, and it's two movies, and they are just visually stunning, visually stunning. And they take you into this world where where it's sort of everything is veiled, and there is this supernatural space between worlds that they call the gloom. Uh-huh. And that is where people, you know, they go into, they do their supernatural superpowers, and then they slip out of that sort of dimension. It's sort of like a, a dimension that's 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 veiled. That's sort of the veil of the paranormal dimension. Yeah. And in the first story, um, there's a man who is he is an enabled. He's sort of he's he's sort of like thrust into this 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 conflict where he's I guess he's on patrol or something, and and he saves a boy mm-hmm. from a vampire. Uh-huh. And that creates a catalyst of events that just about bring about the end of the world because oh. the vampire that he saves the boy from, and there's so many layers of story into this. I can't get into it all. Okay. We'll be here sounds, all day. sounds fascinating. But the, the, the vampire he saves him from is the, is, you know, is, has a day job and he's a barber and oh. he's a barber to the dark Lord. Okay. Of 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 all darkness, okay. and and yeah. and it's basically the Dark Lord and his girlfriend lure uh, an innocent child to feed. Oh, and so the guy, you know, he he saves the child, mm-hmm. and in doing so, he kills one of the vampires. 
Oh, and oh, because wow. there is this um, social balance between darkness and light that they're 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 cohabitating. Gotcha. And it creates a moral. It creates a sort of moral conundrum uh-huh. in the world, where the the where he is sort of by doing so he sort of breaches a contract. Is that the the light and the darkness coexist? Mm-hmm. the the people of the darkness they have to feed that that has to happen that is just the reality in the world so they go to the purveyors of the light and they get contracts to feed okay. so basically so they're allowed to to feed on on innocent people and then and then but yeah. and, and that sort of creates that again that moral ambiguity mm-hmm. um so then they feed on this boy and by doing so by by doing that he sort of creates uh he creates sort of a violation in the contract and stuff like that and it gets him in a lot of trouble and it just mm-hmm. about you know, becomes the catalyst of of a war and and the darkness and the light you know the dark especially the dark they really 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 want to go to war I so i can imagine i can only <laughs> so, imagine so when this happens they they really really want to use this as you know hey uh-huh. this happened you know we're at war now, exactly. Type of thing, and he has to to skirt that. But at the same time, the 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 barber, you know, he, you know, he, yeah, yeah, he is killed, but his mm-hmm. girlfriend is still out there, and she still has to feed. She escapes, oh, and okay. throughout the the rest of the film, she is trying to get this child. She she's had a taste for the child, you know. She cannot. The way, the way that she exists as a vampire in this in this world, you know, yeah. she she's absolutely consumed by lust, bloodlust for for oh, to okay. to eat this child. She uses like, and she has powers and stuff like that. She uses like this thing called the call to to lure to put the child into a trance and lure her him yeah. to her. Um, and they're constantly, you know, the the keepers of the light the night watch that's what they're called is the night watch because they watch the night and they are trying to safeguard the child well the child is you know involuntary being lured by the vampire Mm -hmm. so they sort of have to like like you know like put him like watch him under guard well at the same time keeping up the veil of the sort of the secret world and Mm -hmm. And it creates an, an interesting sort of dynamic because, and, and at the same time, the the day watch, the the the, the dark lords, they mm-hmm. they are goading this woman into yeah. into chasing down the child because yeah, you know yeah. again they want this conflict to happen. You know they, they and and it is it is so interesting how you mm-hmm. know as as this sort of this vampire she's she's a sort of this this powerful character and. And, you know, she wants to live, but she has to feed, you know, wow. and, and she lost, you know, her, her lover, yeah. you know, and, and it's sort of, you know, these people, you know, they're, they they are fleshed out as characters. It's, it's not just a one shot, you know, this guy is the bad guy. So therefore he is evil and bad type of thing. There are sort of layers to these characters. And, and if you get a chance to it, check out Nightwatch. It is absolutely fascinating. I, I definitely will check that out. And I love the way that they did with the vampires where, mm-hmm. where they're, they're sort of, they're just one part of this world. And mostly it's like, 
it's mostly like a world of witches and stuff like that. And I think there's even a shapeshifter. Okay. There's like a woman. She can transform into a tiger. Wow. Huh. That's a lot of different elements. Yeah, I know. It's there. It is. And it's just the way that they do it is like a visual spectacle. I bet. I bet they do a, just an amazing job. Yeah. On yeah. Well, I will definitely put that on my to-watch list, Chris. And I thank you for that recommendation. You really got my curiosity going yeah. on that one. Absolutely. And and I like their take on that because it's sort of – it brings in the, the, the element of, of dealing with addiction and mm-hmm. social – sort of social unrest in that issue – uh-huh. Is that it? It pre- pre- presents the vampires as sort of you know like where the, it's the, it's sort of this character that is you know evil, but there is this vulnerability, tragic vulnerability to them. Oh, and and another element his uh-huh. his um, his neighbors, his next door neighbors. Yes, are they human? Yeah, no, they're vampires. Oh, right. Okay, okay. But well, his, his next door neighbors are vampires. And it's it's a it's a father and son, uh-huh. and the father he he's sort of a, a butcher, okay. But he he is able to placate his his vampiric urges through oh. through you know the the butcher through pig meat and stuff like that. Okay. And he is okay. sort of like a like a like a dealer to the vampires there, so that that way they can placate their their oh. lust without okay. without always having to go to to to. Uh-huh. To victims, with so that way they don't always need victims, but Got you know, there a lot of them. They still have to feed, and they they will still have to get contracts. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit of social anxiety. You know, there, there's this one part where the the young man, um, he the the son, mm-hmm. he's his vampiric abilities haven't awakened yet. Oh, but he knows what he's going to become. Oh, and oh. and there's this. And and him, you know, he sort of he he again is he's pissed off that this guy has to go after this woman mm-hmm. because he's like, you know, it's like one day that could be me type of thing. Exactly. And it's like and he says, you know, like one day I'm going to have to feed and I'm going to go to I'm going to come to you for a contract and you're going to give me that contract. Mm-hmm. You know, and that sort of wow. creates that social tension. No kidding. Of it. And, and the guy and, and it's like he really wants to, to save this innocent boy. And there, there's so much more to that, but it's sort of this, you know, and, and he's trying to do it on the sort of, you know, it's like, well, the, the child is, is innocent Mm -hmm. and, and he's not in our conflict. He doesn't want this child to be collateral damage in a, in a conflict that, that they're simply outside of, but, you know, and, and in this movie, I'll just tell you this, everyone is a pawn for someone else. And it is wow. just done so well and so beautifully, and and yeah, <laughs> it, does, it really think, does. It captured my interest. Yeah, you should be able to catch it on Netflix. I, I think okay. it's still on Netflix. Okay, I will check out both of those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, go ahead and and I don't know if you're a dub or sub person, if if you watch dubs or subs, but you you could watch either one. I've I've watched it in the original Russian. It's mm-hmm. pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you may like get a few co- more cultural nuances in Russian, but mm-hmm. the voice acting in the 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 voice acting in in the English is really good too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sounds intriguing. Yeah. You know, you were talking about it. 
it reminded me of, I mean, not reminded me, but I started thinking about a few things in the strand, that mm-hmm. series, um, that was done a few years back. Um, so you definitely got my interest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and yeah, another thing you bring up as well is television. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Dracula series. Yeah. Now with the television series is, uh, cause I've, I've gone on this for, for since the beginning of the show, whenever mm-hmm. I bring on authors and stuff like this, how television has transformed. It has. That it has become the, the primary, the best storytelling medium for, for uh, literary adaption. Mm-hmm. Because we have so much room in serial episodic um, episodes Mm-hmm. Uh, storytelling episodes to build character development. Um, I think one of the the best examples of this was uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yes, I yeah, that that had that. recently the the license for it had repopped up on Netflix again, and uh-huh. the world lost its mind. Well, <laughs> it, it was like that it that did. So, yeah, it was but... like in the in the top five because everybody just went to go see it. And it's like, oh my God, Avatar is back on Netflix. Everybody go watch it. You know, and 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 everybody just, you know, totally just lost it and and mm-hmm. Netflix, you know, they, they they won big that day by, by putting they that did. on the platform. I agree. They certainly did. Yeah, and they that did. was and in that series you, you see a character develop, you know, mm-hmm. sort of grow into his sort of, you know, reluctant destiny and then when he ultimately has to has to face it. And I think with uh, with the vampire, the vampire, the characters are so nuanced mm-hmm. that you need that time to develop with them. Now, with like with quick pacing and, and, and in action movies, you can sort of put those key elements in there. Like with Blade, mm-hmm. with, with Blade, we saw him develop throughout the movie and so much of that movie was cut. I know. But even though it was cut, we were still able to feel for him as a character. And it was just the right length and to develop him and as well as to develop Deacon Frost mm-hmm. as as a, a villain so that when they ultimately faced off, you know, it, it was it was a grand fight. It was it was, it was definitely, you know, like, oh, I, I'm I'm we're building up to this moment and I, I just cannot wait for it to happen type of thing. And it was it was an ac- an excellent payoff. Yeah. Um, do you remember uh, there there was this one cut scene mm-hmm. of Blade? Tell me which one are you referring to? I, I'm referring to the I think it was it was supposed to be the child in the tank. I don't recall that. You yeah. got me when you said that and you know, earlier I was like, What is Christopher? Because I don't I don't remember that at all. I don't know that it was filmed, but I think it was storyboarded. No, and I I'm think and I and I think it. it sort of it, it sort of like showed a bit of uh, darkness on the side of Blade uh-huh. that sort of you know would would maybe have had cast him in a negative light too much. Oh, was okay. Where him and and um, what is it, Chris Christopherson's character, uh-huh. um, the the his mentor. Yes, yes, Whistler. Uh-huh. Whistler, yeah. When the doctor. When the doctor lady, the nurse, she, the the doctor lady, she's going through his lair, uh-huh. and she comes on a, on a tank, okay. like like a an, an aquarium tank, and she sees in there floating, 
like a sort of like a child and it looks oh. angelic and then she walks up to it and then and then like and then it it wakes up and it sort of like you know lashes at her through the glass type of thing and then oh. and then you know it's sort of it's supposed to be a jump scare okay i'm going to have to definitely look yeah. that up and then no. and then she backs up and then she sees that the child has all these teeth these razor sharp teeth and oh. it goes from this angelic type of thing into a sort of demonic looking type wow. of type of creature like just within a second uh-huh and what the gist was was that you know Whistler and Blade they sort of they sort of test their weapons on on this child type oh, of thing. Wow! And that's where the sort of the the moral you know thing is like okay that that's probably too dark. Yes. To go for that character. Him in a different yeah. Yeah, that would totally make mm-hmm. him. That would that would remove any empathy for him. It would. It would definitely have done that. Yeah. So it's, I it's, see. Yeah. Wow, but no, so, I'm definitely going to read up about that, though, <laughs> since you mentioned it. Huh. Yes, yeah, to sort of see that character, you know, sort of presented in that, like, you know, I, I'm sort yeah. of glad that, that, yeah, definitely made the cut. I think, I yeah, think, I don't know if they, call. I think they, they, sto- I know they storyboarded it, mm-hmm. and I, I think I've seen the, the concept art for it. Okay, wow. I've heard it was, it was filmed. Oh, okay. I, I think you see that in the in the uh, extras. It's in one of the extras on the DVD. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna have to definitely look look yeah. for that. I will. I'm glad you said that, Chris. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I was gonna ask you, and I haven't watched the series yet. Nas four A two. Um, have you been? Have you watched that series? I don't think I've heard of it. Okay, it's Joe Hill, um, Stephen King's son, and it's on. Is it AMC? I think season two's coming back um, mm-hmm. soon, but I haven't watched it. It's on my to watch list, um, but it looks interesting. It really looks interesting to me, and I remember hearing about it. I know there's so, there's like a Dracula series. It's based off the Bram Stoker lore, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that there was a Nosferatu series based off of. Yeah, Joe Hill, check, check it out. By Joe Hill, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, tell me more about it. Um, Season, well, I season know, one is out. I know it's based on Joe Hill's book, and I also know um, yeah. it's this. Um, yeah, they character. recently put out uh, Lock and Key on. Yes. I think it was Netflix. I that very much. Yeah, I'm, I'm scared to watch that. I no, you know what? <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not as how should I say? Oh, uh, let's see. It's. It definitely has a haunting presence, but um, oh, it's 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 a different it's a different kind of story too. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. very impressed with it. Um, but I think you would enjoy. I think if you watch the first episode and see how you feel about that, because I don't want to give I don't want to give anything away. Um, well, I I read I read like a, a couple comic book ad- adaptations, and I think what the part that turned me off was there was a part where like the the mother gets raped and i'm like okay i'm 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 done i'm out i'm out that's 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 yeah. the part where i'm like okay no <laughs> you know because yeah. it's it's just it's sometimes in there there are some things where i see and then i, I see it yeah, done I and i'm like it. okay I I, i'm out yeah I because say the way they handled it in here i don't think that's the i don't think they they placed that situation okay. in this series um, they placed her in a different situation. Okay. From what yeah. I recall, now, like I said, it's been it's been a little bit since I've watched it, but I don't remember that. 
Because that was stuck with me. Um, that definitely stuck with me. But I don't recall that. Um, no. Yeah, because one of my one of my big gripes <laughs> and and my cornerstones is when what? rape is used for oh. female characters as a catalyst for female character development as motivation. I and I, I mean it. I mean, aside from making me uneasy, mm-hmm. I just feel it is as far as literary elements are concerned extremely lazy i see what i just i just i i feel it is so lazy because it's a way to sort of motivate a female character to give Mm -hmm. her that sort of you killed my father thing that we Mm -hmm. see in action Mm -hmm. movies all the time it's it's a quick and easy way to do that yeah um i think there was this one series uh what was the one with the, the the female hacker um the the woman that kicked the hornet's nest or the girl who the girl oh, with the dragon tattoo. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. The girl with the dragon tattoo, the Swedish yes, series. Okay. And yeah. the entire series is about how this woman is such a badass and she took out yeah. this, this cartel and she did all that. And then the, the ultimate question someone posed was like, well, if she wasn't raped, would she have done all that? Would she have been this sort of ascended into this ultimate mm-hmm. badass character if that hadn't happened and I'm like, and and that was sort of like a like a criticism as that you know that they needed to put that in as a sort of catalyst to motivate the character that that was the character's only motivation, and okay. and it's sort of and I and you know I mean write your stories however you want to write your stories, it's just it's just there there are some things that I I do feel are maybe get a bit lazy in in writing i think it was in in comic books uh we refer to it as as fridging the girlfriend mm. um where a, a character where you know in order to 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 send a story reeling the female character the love interest is is you know killed and chopped up and put in the fridge and mm. for the hero to discover and that is the you know that's the only way that doing stuff like that to motivate characters is sort of because uh, we need the action scene, and and it's sort of like that's how I sometimes see you know rape in some characters in mm-hmm. in some ways put in for female characters in literature, mm-hmm. and and I I just I don't know I I have a hard time getting over that. <laughs> I understand. I, know. I, yeah. I do. I understand exactly what you're saying. Um, but I don't recall that element in lock and key. I don't recall that, but I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a hundred percent was not there. Um, I just don't recall that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, that's, I do know rape fantasy exists. Oh God, it does. There's mm-hmm. a time and place. Okay. Mm-hmm. There, there's it a time and place for everything, everything, but not there. I mean, cause, um, another thing that I don't know if you've noticed this, but, in the early 80s and 90s, when, when we were growing up, if you wanted to see boobs, you you went to R-rated action films. Mm-hmm. They would put in boobs and they would force a, a romance and they would have the sex scene. And that was sort of like low-key porn. And I think that, that the early mm-hmm. 80s comedies, the punchline yeah. to every joke was a woman, you know, showing off her boobs. Mm-hmm. And I think what what's great is now with online porn, people can get that. They don't have to go to eighties movies to get that anymore. And I think you know that now we just the action movies are just action. They they mm-hmm. they'll still have sexy characters and stuff like that, but they they don't have to do the the full breast nudity and stuff like that. 
sure. that I think that has improved. I do, I yeah, do. Yeah, but but it's just, I mean, I, you know, I I get that that some people want that. I don't. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I really understand. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's you know I, again time, time and place. Um, but it is. yeah, time yeah. and place for everything. It's just season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, we we I I sort I took us uh, off a tangent. <laughs> where, where were we? Where were we? It happens. It happens. We start talking about different things. I know. You know <laughs> different doors open. Uh, you know, you, you gotta you gotta get us back on track. Okay, well let's let's talk about Morbius. Tell me, tell me your take on the Morbius character. I, like you said, I know I was I was really anticipating watching it right about now. Yeah, yeah. Um, now we would have been talking about it. And but like you said, it's, it's been pushed back along with so many different movies. Been pushed back. Yeah, I don't. Even, I was when I so first, looking I forward you, to watching Black I, Widow. No, go ahead. Yeah, I was so looking forward to watching Black Widow as well, and and talking about uh-huh. that too. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, the, the what what I know about Morbius is, yeah. I was never I never really followed him in the comics. He wasn't mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. primary character. My first exposure to him was through the '90s era Saturday morning cartoon Spider Man, where yeah. he was going yeah, after plasma and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. that series is the early '90s, the first uh, animated iteration of Spider Man. Uh-huh. Is probably one of the most critically acclaimed series, and probably listed as one of the best comic book adapt adaptions uh-huh. ever made for television for for Saturday morning cart. Back when we had, yes, I Saturday love morning that cartoons. Series. I did, <laughs> and that's how I was exposed to uh-huh. Morbius. Morbius. There was an episode uh-huh. highlighting him, mm-hmm. and I think I uh, remember even, that. I don't remember. Do you remember that character? Yeah, and they even had Blade and um, the Punisher. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the Punisher, but yeah. it's like, but you know, he's. And it was funny watching him put into a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, that's he, he doesn't yeah. mesh well there. That that's not his kind of story, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah and and and. Uh, and and you know I mean I I'll just just on a side tangent the the character of the Punisher is sort of like that's sort of the Metallica of Marvel comics where like either you're a heavy metal fan or you're a Metallica fan with with the Marvel comics either you're a Marvel comics fan or you're a Punisher fan and and the Punisher stories that 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 is its its own thing and it's sort of dark gritty stuff you know and and you you don't put that into everything. No, no, and and, but let let let's leave that for someplace else. For that, that's another show. Um, mm. The the yeah, the Morbius character. That's how I was introduced to him, and it was pretty fascinating. You know, it it was a good episode. I, I didn't uh-huh. really, I didn't really pursue the character, but well, when okay. I saw, I yeah, when I saw the 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 Jared Leto take on it, yes, of the like, character. What? I was, and you know what, Chris? I've hmm. been telling my husband ever since um, I was just fascinated with him recently, Morbius. And I have a Spider-Man edition when he first appeared. And so I told him when I got that, oh gosh, maybe like five or seven years ago, give or take. And I told my husband, I said, 
if they would ever consider making a Morbius movie, I'm like, I just wish they would explore that. And I just always just hoped and hoped. And so when I, when I finally was hearing you know, little things here and there, rumors that they were going into production, I was like, oh, I don't believe it. You know, I'll just have to wait. If, if I, when I see it, I believe it. And then when I saw the preview, oh, my gosh. Yeah, me too. I was like, I, uh, I was intrigued and interested. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they're trying to trying to tie it into like the Sony expanded universe, sort of a pocket universe huh? for Spider-Man characters mm-hmm. that is loosely tied to the MCU, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I, OK, I, I'm, I'm good with that. Um, the but the there I mean, just from the trailer alone was was so magnificently put together. I agree. I was you know. like glue. I was frozen. Yeah, yeah. It it showed us enough mm-hmm. to it, it was a good example of how you put a trailer together. Yeah. I mean, I in some cases like oh it, it told us the whole story type of thing. Mm-hmm. Well it set up Morbius as a character. Yes. We still don't know who the main villain is. Mm-mm. We no. still don't know what his uh, initial conflict is. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really hope they don't do a thing where his villain is just another guy who steals his research and then oh, is just a, a buffed up version of him. Uh-huh. I hate it when they do that. I, I, know. I, hate I don't it. like that either. I'm like, no. Yeah, make him make him make the villain different. Make the villain mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. make him a polar opposite, but you know, yeah. different somehow. But. I, I we don't know who the, as far as from what I've seen I don't know who the initial villain is. Um, I know that Marvel has their own adaptation of Dracula, and if they brought that into the series, it's like you know, oh, okay that 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 in, I'll give them a pass for that. Uh huh. Um, but the as far as setting up Morbius as this character where it looks like they, they did a bunch of scenes developing him. I agree. They did. And showing his struggles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, yes. And his, and his vulnerabilities. Yes. Uh-huh. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They, they mm-hmm. fleshed him out. Uh-huh. Um, from, those, yeah, from those initial key building scenes, mm-hmm. which is something that we really don't see all that much. You know? No, we don't. We don't yeah. see it. At all, often yeah. it's rare. Yeah, and and with with some people, you know, like I guess the criticism is that with the Marvel, with all the superhero movies, mm-hmm. that people are getting tired of the origin story. Oh, I love the origins. I think yeah. those are the well, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, but but at the same time, what what you're bringing up is what I'm talking about exactly. Is that that's when we see the character developed most. Mm-hmm. is during their origin to see who they were before they yeah. became this empowered character that they mm-hmm. don't start out powered. Yeah. And that's why the character development and stuff like that is so good. That's why the Mary Sue character archetype does not hit mm-hmm. because they mm-hmm. don't go through a struggle. They yeah. don't go through development. You don't see them at you so that when they are powered, when they do triumph, you don't feel that triumph. You don't feel for them during that triumph. It's like, well, if you're already the best at everything, you know, why are you even here? Uh-huh. That's right. But with the origin stories, it's just, you know, but they still sort of 
find key ways to to showcase the the character as a sort of a vulnerable type of character. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was the Spider Man, the the first pre or or, or post mm-hmm. post MCU Spider Man with the Tom Holland. Yeah, he d- he did a great Spider Man, and it wasn't an origin story. Mm-hmm. But we we still he was still placed into to conflicts and stuff like that. Where they tried mm-hmm. to to develop him as a character, and he's a very likable Peter Parker Spider Man character. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I, I kind of feel like they kind of ruined ruined stuff by by you know they ruined Flash Thompson by not mm-hmm. making him a jock. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and. And just a guy who says mean things to Peter Parker, you know, yeah. it's like no, that is not Flash Thompson. Uh-huh. Flash Thompson is is he's, it's like they they, you know, we're talking about de, de, refanging the vampire. Well, they defanged, declawed Flash Thompson. He's he's supposed to be, you yeah, know, a, a thorn is. in Peter's side, not just an annoying guy who says, Ooh, you're, you're a dummy, Peter Parker. And then Peter Parker just rolls his eyes. And it's like, that's, that's not, that's not a bully. Yeah. You know, he needs to, he needs to be, he needs to be able to undermine and get under Peter's skin. Yes. He needs to be a rival, mm-hmm. uh, a competitor. And mm-hmm. I think they tried to overcorrect that in the third one, the Spider-Man homecoming. Mm-hmm. With the introduction of the of the other character, the the I forget what his name is, but he was a love interest, or he tried oh, to be a love interest and and to rival Spider Man, because he was this beefy, this big beefy guy, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I I I I don't know what the character's name is. He's from the comic books, okay. and he was Mary Jane's first boyfriend. But in this one, they adapted him as sort of a, a kid who you know just got it. They they just plucked him into the scene where he 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 tried to go after Mary Jane and he tried to counter him. Now that that is what Flash Thompson is supposed to be, uh-huh. you know, a, a a legitimate threat. Yes, and true. and I and as far as with with bringing that back into um, more Morbius and stuff like that, you know, when we see. And origin characters and origin stories, we need to see the character deal with a legitimate legitimate threat to them specifically. Mm-hmm. That's what gets us behind them. Um, with Morbius, we don't know what that legitimate threat is yet, but yes. we get the feeling that he's got a lot on his plate already. Ah, he surely does. Yeah, that, that any character that he's going to be paired up against you know, mm-hmm. is is going to have to be a really good villain because uh-huh. because he's got so much to deal with. You know, or, already as a, as a character yeah. that that we're that you know that the the villain stuff like that. You know, that they're going to be definitely in for a fight. Mm-hmm. So they had better get a good, powerful villain to go up against him. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. Hopefully, compliment him and not be a mirror. Yeah. Definitely compliments. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'm I'm really looking forward to it. So yeah. definitely can't wait for that one. Yeah, I thought that we would probably talk a bit more about the the Anne Rice vampires. 
Okay. The interview with yeah. the vampire. I just wanted to bring that. I, I brought that up briefly, and mm-hmm. I just want to revisit how that sort of like is retooling vampires, because people still go back to that. I think, I think the Anne Rice vampire was sort of, or or the that world, mm-hmm. um, created um, a sort of a catalyst for what I think Twilight tried to be, mm. and. This sort of this adding sensuality and and seductive elements to the vampire, where they sort of became this sort of um, ultimate. Um, how do I best describe this? Uh, pinnacle, um, pinnacle of 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 uh, sexual desire. Mm-hmm. Where I, I think it was. Remember when uh, when uh, Brad Pitt's character he. You know, now he bit the child and then yeah. she transformed into this sort of like pinnacle, you know, her, her hair became, became curly and cute and her skin became fair uh-huh. and, and she was, she was no longer sickly and dying. And, and she, she sort of became this poster child of, of, you know, what a good little girl is supposed uh-huh. to be type of thing. And trust, trust her. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and sort of. Imagine someone looking like her yeah yeah and 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 these guys were sort of you know they they became pinnacles and that was sort of the the vampire type of thing the element and of sort of you know what is what is um attractive now i'm I'm not not saying you know oh kids are attractive no I'm, i'm saying is that this sort of where the vampire is sort of this thing where we see what is so seductive about them because they're supposed to be the better off Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they're they're marred by this addic- addiction, but it's behind a mask of what we perceive as physical perfection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's and that sort of adds an element of you know of yearning that yeah, being a vampire would be so cool because all you got all you got to do is just lounge around and be beautiful, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why. <laughs> In our first episode, when we were discussing, you know, vampire society as it's presented in visual media is always lounging around being beautiful every single introduction. And, and, and I, you can hear me, hear my eyes rolling at this. Is it every single introduction? I think we bring, we, I brought it up in the underworld series and you brought up a couple examples as well. Is it whenever the vampire layer is introduced, it's always a bunch of hot chicks and hot dudes <laughs> just sitting around sipping mm-hmm. red wine, you know, just, mm-hmm. you know, the sort mm-hmm. of socialite thing that, 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 you know, economically and physically we all, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, we, we want to be that. We want to be there. It's sort of presented as a sort of a sophisticated um, upper class thing and Mm -hmm. and and i and with the interview with the vampire it sort of took that and it sort of presented that and with the longevity of the livelihood you know because they they live for so long they're able to amass you know massive wealth on top of being gorgeous all the time yes and that sort of created this thing where this sort of created this sort of seductive allure on top of the 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 you know the the seductiveness of the sexuality of the character because before vampires during the Nosferatu days they were these ugly disgusting creatures and then oh, when yes. they and then and when they, they weren't yeah. attractive at all yeah they they were yeah. 
they would have to sneak into, you know, uh, a, a, and get women when they were sleeping and then feed off of them. And then when they paired off from the vampire and the zombie, when that creature okay. then forked where the, the ugly elements and, and the creature and the, the, the dark, that those elements went into the zombie and then sort of the elements of the, the seductiveness and, 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 and allure went into the vampire and then sort of like, um, they dialed that to 11, I guess, as, okay. as a way as, as us as a society to differentiate the, the creatures. Mm-hmm. So that way mm-hmm. our zombies can be zombies and our vampires could be vampires. And they're not the, the same thing, even though their origin point is probably this. They were the same, the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to see that, I think the, the Anne Rice vampires is the best example of mm-hmm. what the, the new archetype of vampire dialed to 11 yeah. is that we see these vampires just, you know, that, that they are so, you know, that everything that we find alluring, mm-hmm. they represent. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. we sort of see as this sort of, you know, almost upper class type of thing, you know, through the wealth and, and, and looks and stuff like that, that they're sort of, you know, pinnacles of what we deem in our society attractive and yeah. stuff like that. And, and I just, I find that as, as an interesting dynamic in that, in how vampires are presented in uh-huh. our modern media. And we're sort of, we're coming back to that. Uh-huh. You're right. You're right. And, you know, just thinking about, you know, vampire diaries, you know, they're beautiful. You know, when I think about, you know, Damon Salvatore, um, beautiful vampires, but then, you know, the vampire that really freaked me out um, would be, would have to be Salem's Lot, Stephen King's Salem Lot's vampire. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, freaked me out. And, of course, you know, related to the Nosferi, too. Yeah. You know, similarities. Um, but those vampires in that town, they were just scary to me. Oh, yeah. Um, Every now and then, someone will dial it back. I think it was uh, yeah. 30 Days of Night. Yes, that was an, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every now and then, you know, some people will put that duality into their vampires uh-huh. where I think it was Buffy the Vampire Slayer had this yeah. where they would be beautiful and gorgeous. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then they and would go then, into sort of yes. vampire mode where they became yeah. ugly and, uh-huh. and their, their, uh-huh. their razor sharp teeth. Yeah. And they sort of created yeah. that duality of vampirism is, you know, not only is it attractive, it's the the duality of the flip side between the beautiful and the ugly right you're so right the 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 ferocity of the hunger and the desire huh? is represented in when they become this ugly creature yeah. and it's sort yeah. of like like the the beauty and stuff like that is sort of a veil that uh-huh. is then lifted uh-huh. when their addiction takes I mean, a hold of them when they lose control it's, they become Monsters. Yes. Yes. Not just or the anger. Yeah. You know, the anger and the addiction, you know. Yeah. And I, you made me think of something. Yeah. Friday night. The original Friday oh, yeah. night series vampire. Yeah, that was sort of a I watched uh-huh. a special on that. Mm-hmm. A YouTube a YouTube video where a guy just analyzed the heck out of it. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I can't think of it right now off the top of my head, but uh-huh. it's it's sort of a um the what was discussed was how 
it was initially intended to be a retelling of, it was supposed to be a modern adaption of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, did not know that. Yeah, yeah. it was it was like it was supposed to be like a direct ad- adaption, okay. a contemporary um Bram Stoker's Dracula in 1980s suburbia. Uh-huh. And and I it, it completely did all of that, you know, it went, you know, it again that was sort of dial to 11 and I'm I'm glad you brought that up because that is a great example. Of where we have this guy, he's this handsome, you know, mm. you know this this handsome exotic, you yeah. know, looking man, mm-hmm. and then when he's driven by this hunger and stuff like this, and then he can become, you know, this sort of monstrous creature. Yes. If yes. he doesn't get thing, if he doesn't get what he wants, then he's going to devolve into this monster. Uh-huh. But to get what he wants, he has to sort of, you know, he has he still has the has the need to feed exactly. and exactly. and he sort of like indulges in it you know mm-hmm. he sort of like and and i think there was a part where he he went after um I th- uh, evil eddie uh, i think is the oh, name of yes, the character in the alley yeah, uh-huh. yeah. you're so cool buster that that awesome yes when yeah. he he didn't attack him no he seduced no. him did that was that was like when I saw that scene, I didn't like I said when I was so young I didn't understand it, but when I watched when I was older, I was like, oh my gosh, that was done so you're right, so seductively and beautiful and haunting. I, yeah. I thought the same thing, Chris. He mm. played off of Eddie's insecurities. Yes, he exploited yes his insecurities to seduce yes. him. He got yeah. him in the alley and said, you know, I know what it's like to be like you, to be ostracized, yeah. to be yeah. to be alone all the time, to, uh-huh. to have people uh-huh. not like you and all this stuff. And I can give you strength and power uh-huh. and uh-huh. I can all the stuff that, that you wish you had, I can make you. Mm-hmm. And, uh-huh. and, you know, and he just, you know, he he had he knew the perfect way to get yeah. him. He didn't have yeah. to force himself on him. Yeah, no, he, yeah. he did not. He didn't have to cast a spell on him, like uh-huh. like he did with nope. with the girl, you know. Yes, and mm-hmm. it was, mm-hmm. and it was Definitely. just, yeah. And that that right there was sort of an example of, and in a way that that vampire, that literary vampire, you know, we're all Eddie, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we're as the reader, that's yes. us, yeah, that's us. And and I think what's happening. With some modern tellings, like, and and I know, like, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I am bringing up Twilight as sort of an example of, of, you know, of of bad, of, well, a sort of uh, a take on the vampire that that's not quite what that's a departure from tradition, mm. but there is sort of this sort of element of where when when the vampire comes out he's sort of like um you know as as readers we're we're captivated by that and i think what what hits most vampire f- hardcore fans why they they hate the twilight so much is that it it took elements that of the vampire that are supposed to be scary and alluring mm-hmm. and sort of made them uh, uh 
uh, what's the what's the clever way of saying lame <laughs> of, of being lame and and instead of seductive it comes off as creepy and borderline abusive um mm-hmm. that that the character of of edward he yeah he's addicted to to um uh elizabeth swan or or whatever her i i, I forget whatever the the female protagonist bella. he bella? yeah yeah bella he's he's addicted to her and he doesn't know if he wants to you know make love to her if he lusts for her or if he just wants to feed off of her and that was sort of an interesting dynamic that is i thought that was very interesting yeah that is sort of adapted into other media probably mm-hmm. better but because there's so much baggage with the mm-hmm. i think the sort of explosive success of the Twilight movies. And I think it's because of how the Twilight movies were presented that left a bad taste in traditional vampires fans' mouths. Mm-hmm. Um, the book series was critically acclaimed mm-hmm. when it first came out. The book series was, you know, it, it was, it received natural buzz. It was not artificial. It was not pushed. It was not forced. The mm-hmm. movies were probably forced on on us as as a as a as a culture as a society that was sort of forced on us by you know aggressive marketing and stuff like that mm-hmm. the books however they develop their own momentum and stuff like that um the and i and i think that because of the adaption of the film people were like you know okay we need to bring we need to make vampires scary again mm-hmm. you know terrifying and at the same time seductive as well because the vampires in the movies and stuff like that in the Twilight films are presented more like ethereal fairies that, that, that it's sort of like a, it sort of is, but not quite like the, the sparkling, which was the major thing that people, you know, criticize the most. That's, that's almost a, a fairy type of thing. And the way that they went about, you know, just flying about and stuff like that, that's more, um, fairy lore type of stuff. Mm. They were more like fairies that, that drank blood and stuff like that than they were, you know, uh, what we, which were, are the, the, what we consider the telltales of traditional um, vampire um, archetypes. Mm. And I think it's it putting the archetype on its head, that is probably what upset more people than the... Yeah, you know the 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 relationship dynamic is is probably we probably make that a bigger deal than it really is. We maybe we read too much into the into it than we should, but mm-hmm. I think it was the the room the sort of rebranding of of what we consider vampires to what we've grown up with. I think that probably upset people the most when it comes to that series. Probably so, and you know one one thing that really how should I say that was mind blowing for me in the Twilight series was Breaking Dawn was Bella's pregnancy and her transformation hmm. and just to see her go through all of those different layers that really oh my, I don't know that did something to me <laughs> um, just to watch her good or um, good or bad good uh, good I guess both I'm gonna say both Chris mm-hmm. um for her, I mean, it was kind of like something that was never supposed to happen. Um, and for her to 
have the love and affection um, for her unborn and Edward's, you know, initial feelings about and what it was doing. It was killing her. But she was willing to make that sacrifice. And that, that I think that was just something that, that always will stay with me with that particular series because that's something I've never seen done. Um, and I was really impressed with that transformation of her pregnancy and then her transformation, you know, from death and then, you know, the un, the undeading part, the undying part of, of Bella. So, hmm. yeah. So that, yeah. that part intrigued me. Okay. I, 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 I didn't make it that far in the movie that's series. Okay. That's okay. And, but I, I just didn't expect yeah. that. And I think so I got to the talk. second one, and then that's where it's like, okay, I'm, I've had my fill. Yeah, the the Breaking Dawn one. I think that, you know, definitely you might just want to check that out. But that um, hmm. that was something I, I was not expecting. Yeah. You yeah. you bring up something else that sure. reminds me of, of, of something interesting. Sure. And that ahead. is that they took the the third movie and they broke it up into two parts. Mm-hmm. Um, they did that with Harry Potter as well. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, I mean, the the criticism at the time is they're just trying to milk more money out of people. Mm-hmm. That's the criticism. Yeah, but honestly, that's, that's I heard some of that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and honestly, as we were discussing earlier about how um, television has become the, the superior mm-hmm. storytelling medium, I think that was the telltale sign. That was the first death throw that we saw that. Mm-hmm that that was the first death throw of that, you know, movies as a storytelling medium are, are on their way out. That, yeah. that yeah. they're there. I mean, movies are for big events. Mm-hmm. You tell mm-hmm. big stories in movies. Yeah. If you want to build characters and worlds yeah. and stuff like that, you do that yeah. on television. Yeah. And the series. I agree. Yeah. And that was, I think that was the first thing when, when we saw the ink, we, we didn't know we were seeing it, but that's when we first saw the inkling of that. When, when marketers and stuff like that were realizing, you know, Hey, we have too much story to tell. Everyone hates it. When we, we, we bastardize everything, cutting it up into 90 minute popcorn flicks. Mm-hmm. Let's instead take this one, turn it into two popcorn flicks, but we got to, People love these characters oh, and they yes. want to see them developed. Yes, and and that's do. and mm-hmm. that started that trend. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I mean the Harry Potter series, it was every book was sort of an event, uh-huh. but it was at the same time, it was a series. It was a series of movies. Yeah. So in that sense, people like they sort of, you know, and and of course the criticism is always, Oh, the the book is better than the movie. <laughs> no, yeah, course, that's a I mean one. duh. Uh-huh. But the the thing with that is that, you know, I, I think that's where people were, were trying to see that. And and I get where um, with the Harry Potter series first coming out, I think people were trying to turn movie going into a regular thing that I think they were trying to bring back serials. Because mm. gotcha. in the early when movies first came out, I guess they had sort of one offs at, at the time. They were just playing with the technology. Mm-hmm. And then they needed people to come back every week, so they did the serials. That's why we had Superman serials, Flash Gordon serials, uh-huh. um, uh-huh. all those types of serials. Gotcha. And that's where we got sort of our – we got accustomed to trilogies uh-huh. of sort of, you know, one big story and then, you know, so-and-so part two. 
that's back when we used to do like part two and part three and, and we would make sequels. And now we're at the point where, you know, we're, we're just sort of like regurgitating stuff like that. Cause we know that people love seeing this type of movie. So we're just going to remake it again. That's why I think that's why fast and furious has so many, uh-huh. because we love watching those kinds of movies in theaters. Yes. Yes. And the characters, you just, you know, you just get attached to them and you want to know what's going to happen next. Yeah. And... You, you want to go on an adventure. Uh-huh. Exactly. You want to go with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to go. I mean, the, the first, I remember watching the first Fast and Furious mm-hmm. in a drive through yeah. and, and it was, oh my God, it was, it was like total testosterone theater. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, it was just, oh God, you, the, the, the masculinity in that parking mm-hmm. lot as we watched it on the big screen was so goddamn thick it, it was not shy at all <laughs> and and when everybody when everybody left that movie they everybody revved up their engines everybody revved up their engines and and, and people yep. were actually talking after the movie to each other yep you know but yeah, yeah yeah they were they were they were like they were like talking about their their favorite cars and stuff like that. People were getting into car talk, yeah. you know, in in the in the lot as they were as they were driving out. They would yeah. they would talk to each other as they would wait for the next row of cars to leave before they could go. That you know, people were like saying, "Hey, man, I remember my my favorite car," and then this and that, and then someone would overhear them. And say, oh yeah, I remember this. My my first car was this, and 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 I used to own a this and that, and and it was it you got excited about that stuff. And and I think that's what movie theaters are. That's why we went to the movies. Yes. Yes. And that's the magic. Yeah. That, yeah. For, for happens. events, mm-hmm. you, you go to the movies for events, exactly. you, you, for, for serial stuff like that, you, you build that stuff on television. And, and I think uh, the theaters are sort of like, they're, they're still trying to figure out how to do this. Yeah, movies and stuff like that are the superior medium for events. And mm. then the the serials are you you do that stuff with television. Yeah. Yeah. I think with um I think that's at the beginning. Yeah, they were starting to realize that. They put that in there. And then I think now what's going on is unfortunately with the COVID thing, a lot of a lot of people and in media across the the terms you know they they were already on the decline and i guess that's because there was some reluctancy in seeing the writing on the wall and adapting that a lot of people were taken out like literally overnight over 2 mm-hmm. weeks and um the i mean i don't know if you follow the comic book industry news but oh my god i mean it it is it it so many people there you know i mean it was sort of on a decline and and there some people would argue that, that that they were trying to uh grasp an audience that wasn't active that that really didn't care for comics which you know i mean i'm okay for ex- trying to expand your perspective but you know don't lose your core base um yes. and i think with the movies mm-hmm. you know that we i mean it became a thing where the marvel movies the superhero movies became tradition Mm-hmm. Where we were so yeah. used to going to them for that, uh-huh. and, and watching the ending, especially with Marvel. Yeah, yeah, and we, <laughs> it, 
And I think, um, I don't know if, if some people felt that like the, the movie going audience was transforming into the, the, the Marvel, the, the comic book going mm. audience. They were, they were sort of dominating the market. Uh-huh. And I think they tried to do things where they tried to expand to new audiences and those new audiences probably weren't as recipient and as they did so at the expense of the old audience, which was their, their big money maker because they were the most supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was an experimentation and, and there unfortunately seems to be this, this attitude of that, you know, that, well, I was trying to reach new people. So that totally justifies this, whatever it is, not making as much money. It's a, there's a funny way that we're measuring success. Um, some people measure it purely financially and mm-hmm. some people measure it, um, through, through other means, through accolades. Um, yeah. but at the core media and stuff is still a business mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, you know, you can, you can, there's room for both. There is room for both. There is room for placating to your, your, your traditional audience and there is room for experimental stuff. And I, and I think the experimental stuff is probably people are trying to force that into the mainstream, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and I think they're doing it too hard that, that, that they're turning off, you know, even the people that they claim they want to be supportive of and placate to, they're not supporting it. They're criticizing it as well. Um, I think, have you heard of, uh, what is it? Um, Snowflake and and Safe Space, the the New Warriors debacle. Have you heard of that? Snow, you said Snowflake. Yeah, Snowflake and Safe Space, the New no. Warriors. Oh, yeah. oh, I, I uh, oh gosh, I, someone who <laughs> someone who hasn't heard of it. Oh my God, have you been living under a rock? <laughs> I don't. Well, hold on, I'm I'm googling something real quick. Let me make sure. <laughs> You said, okay, hold on. Yeah, Snowflake. New, new Warriors. New Warriors. Hold on. Maybe. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Huh. Well, there are these Marvel. Okay, yeah. I'm yeah. reading. You keep going. Keep going. Marvel was going to launch the, the New Warriors comic. It was supposed to come out this month. They've uh-huh. they've canceled it because there was so much outrage and outpouring oh, yeah. of people saying yeah. like, oh my God, what are you, what are you doing? And what the what it was is this, this one writer guy, um, I, I, something Kibble Smith and uh-huh. he's, and they, they did some digging on him and he's this super awkward, like ultra nerd, uh-huh. you know, which, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but if you're, if you're super awkward and stuff like that, it's, it's going to show you're, you're gonna, you're probably not the best person to maybe write superhero stuff if, if you have, you know, um, social stuff. Like, I mean, not not saying you can't, but might might not might want to you know think things through before you you commit to something like that. But he was sort of brought in, and he created these these characters, and two of them were, um, you know, I mean, a lot of them were 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 seen as you know like oh my gosh, but the the primary ones were Snowflake and Safe Space, and what I'm he, reading about him. Yes, what I'm he what right he now. claimed was he was taking these, these meanie terms on the internet and he was sort of like, you know, trying to own them, you know, like, Oh, you can't use that as a criticism of me. Cause I, I am, I'm taking ownership of that. Oh. 
and because of how the characters were set up and, and how they were presented, the audience that they were trying to present them to, like the 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 a more marginalized audience was like, you know, laughing at them and saying like, oh, this is you completely missed the mark on this. And the Ooh. traditional audience, they were laughing at it because, you know, it's like, oh, oh, come on now. What what are you trying to do? You're trying to reach to an audience and, and you're you're ridiculing them. You you you're in a way you're you you're ridiculing them under the guise of of. I guess being acceptable or something of that nature. I, I uh-huh. don't know if I'm I'm following it that closely. I I could be wrong on some counts, but uh-huh. he sort of he said something that sort of set me off when okay. when he he did that is that when and and as we were talking about vampires being the idealized thing of of seduction and stuff like that, superheroes have sort of always been this sort of um, another paradigm of this sort of idealized person and form, you know, even in flawed characters, they were still flawed characters, but they would transform into the, the super idealized characters. And he felt intimidated by the comic book covers that he wouldn't read comics. And I'm like, but if you open the comics and read them, Mm -hmm. you would see that, you know, yeah, Peter Parker, he's this super buff, strong guy as Spider-Man. But if you open the comics, you'll see he's this vulnerable boy who's mm-hmm. struggling with his life. You know, they, and what he's doing is I think he's he's play, he's imprinting what he thinks a bully is to mm-hmm. traditional superheroes. And as we see with characters such as um, Captain America and all that, he came from humble less than humble beginnings and and he grew into this superhero type of this superheroic figure and that's why you know we we talk about how the origin story is so interesting because mm-hmm. these guys they come from a struggle that we all can relate to it it doesn't matter you know your racial or or economic background mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. we we all can relate to struggle it's yeah. it's a it's a universal thing exactly and uh, and I guess he sort of he he didn't get it, and I guess that's probably his his awkwardness coming in, and he sort of became the the spear the the flagship for this for this latest movement, and it mm-hmm. unfortunately backfired, and it's got to the point that they've actually quietly canceled the comic. They they pulled it, oh. you know. Um, I think one guy, I mean, because it became such a spectacle that some people were like ordering it in mass, you know, just, just so they could riff on it later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like I was saying earlier, there's a time and there's room for experimentation yeah, in definitely. the mainstream. Mm-hmm. But, and you know, again, don't abandon what works. Don't, don't abandon the mm-hmm. tried and true formula, you know, because if you, if you want to have like uh, something new and different, that's totally cool. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I still need to have my fast and furious, <laughs> Talk I still, mm-hmm. I still I, need sure. my big and dumb action mm-hmm. movies, you know, because mm-hmm. we, we love that stuff and, and there's nothing wrong because it's, because it's, it, it works. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with it. And I think what's happening is, you know, I mean, we're all different, of course, and, and mm-hmm. a lot of those differences are mostly primarily superficial, yeah. but over time, those differences are eroding. Mm-hmm. 
But but those superficial the superficial differences, I think some people are trying to use that as as a sort of um, catalyst. Say, well, I'm not represented, so I need to create a character that is that is reflective of me. Mm-hmm. And but mm-hmm. when you do that, you're writing to an audience of one, mm. because the the deal is is and and you know maybe you're you're welcome to disagree with me on this and it's or or we we could probably fight about it, <laughs> but the, the the thing is is that I mean we both related to Blade, yes, and and he looks like neither of us. Mm-hmm. I mean it, it, he. We we both relate to to Spider Man. We we both mm-hmm. love Peter Parker. We both yeah. you know we're, we're intrigued by Morpheus, mm-hmm. and and you know just trying to have a character. Just re- but what the problem that I see is they create these characters that reflect them, and and but they don't. We run into the Mary Sue complex where mm. they make them likable and lovable and, and without flaws because. If the if a character is ever seen as they they somehow there somehow seems to be this notion in new media that if a character is has a struggle or is weak that that means they're a, a weak character and it's like no that's part of the the struggle that's part of the storytelling dynamic you have to have that to build the character yeah. a character yeah, needs to be built and what they're doing is they're making these characters who are already perfect who are already formed and they're presenting them. And they're not going through a, through a, they're not developing the characters. Yes. And, and I, I agree, Chris. I think a good character definitely has to have flaws. And, yeah. you know, of course, the characters can definitely, you know, um, transform over time. But yes, a flawed character, I, I really enjoy writing characters like that myself. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, a, I'm I mean, a big fan for flawed characters. Yeah, I mean, a lot of mm-hmm. your characters, you know, they're not perfect. They're, no, I mean they—they, they, you know, they. I, I think I remember one of your your store shorts was, um, what was it like uh, home sc- or or schoolwork or extra credit or something like this? Where these these girls they go out to a club when they should have been studying. Oh, uh-huh. study break. Study break. Yeah, mm-hmm. they they go out to a club when they should have been uh-huh. when they should have been studying, and <laughs> and they're you know I mean they're just they're girls they're mm-hmm. totally girls they're gaga over boys, and stuff like that and that you know I mean I'm not that, but I I get it you know it's like yeah. okay yeah that's cool that resonates uh-huh. that's that's a developed character, mm-hmm. and and I. And, and I think you know this sort of like uh, new force thing. You know, it, it's kind of kind of missing. And I think with the bringing it back to the vampires thing, yeah. is that you know, I mean, because we sort of push for this sort of you know, like, hey, can we get back to vampires being scary again? Mm. It's it's sort of that you know, we we need to build the characters again. Mm-hmm. You know, the characters need need to be built. Yeah, we need to go through the, the, the stuff and all that. And, and I think that's one of the main reasons why we're seeing this recent revamp of the vampires is that mm-hmm. we need to sort of get back to, we want our monsters, monsters, mm-hmm. and we want all the, 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 the ugliness of being monstrous as well as all the, the beauty and awe of mm-hmm. them being alluring on in another way, 
a different kind of monster mm-hmm. that we can reflect and see in ourselves. Yes. Is our yearning for that. And in a sense, we willing to give up all of that for that. We then ourselves become the monster. Mm-hmm. And we want to sort of step into that. And I think that's why we have, that's where I think the push is coming from to refang the vampire, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. Any, any closing thoughts on that topic before we just have some fun? Um, you know, I'm going to end with something, but I'll, I'll wait to end with it. It's, it's something I want to end with, but I find what you're saying kind of just put it all in perspective about, you know, the fictional, you know, world and, and then the non-fictional world. So, um, no, let's have some fun. Okay. All right. Definitely ready. Like I said, you know, I mean, we, we, we have our differences and for the most part, superficial, mm-hmm. but for, for the most part, you know, in some cases, some people have surprise audiences that they never see coming. Oh, yeah. And and it's like what the heck? Like uh, like My Little Pony, the the latest revival which was just ended, you know, uh, last year. Uh-huh. It had this surprising audience of middle aged men <laughs> who just loved the wow. hell out of it. And and I know because I was one of those guys who was like, wow. oh my god. I love this stuff. You know, I mean, I, I wasn't. Do. I love My Little Pony, yeah. the, the earlier, yeah. you know, but yes. I wasn't like, you know, I didn't take it to 11 like most people, like a lot of people did. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But I noticed it's like, you know, even though, because like a, a lot of, one of the things that people like to do is they they like to say, you know, that if someone criticizes like uh, Brie, Brie Lawson, came out and she said, I don't need a 40 year old white man to tell me why a wrinkle in time didn't work for him because it wasn't made for you. And it's like, well, you don't always get to choose your audience sometimes. Yeah. If, if people like stuff and, and not all criticism is negative. That's right. No, a lot of it is, is, you know, I'm not saying this because I want to take it down. I'm saying this because I, I want it to be better. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the Sonic, the Hedgehog. Yes. When it first came out, the the design was it faced huge backlash, and then the studio yeah, it's, yeah. revamped I, I remember it, that. and it made a ton of money. Uh huh. And a lot it of sure it, did. a lot of it was fans mm-hmm. who weren't fans. They mm-hmm. weren't right. Sonic fans. Right. They did it on, they supported it on the principle of, mm-hmm. well, this studio is listening to us. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of the producers, um, Tim Miller, you yes. know, he was, he, he did that. He had directed the first Deadpool movie and he had directed Terminator um, Dark Fate. Mm-hmm. He had come out and he had said, you know, like in this instance, he's like, oh, the, the the fans you know get what they want they listen to it but on this the instance of Terminator Dark Fate which was a, a financial failure unfortunately he he had taken the position of oh the fans don't get to dictate what I do with with my movie type of stance and and you know he but like I said at the end of the day these are businesses I mean I'm not saying you can't make a whatever kind of thing you do but you know you got to pick your battles sometimes and yeah and, you do but at the same time you you really don't know who 
is gonna who is gonna with who your your media is gonna catch fire with mm-hmm. is gonna catch you know that the people are gonna like absolutely love the heck out of this is there anything that maybe wasn't made for you that you went absolutely bonkers over hmm that's a good question because i'm thinking um I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Oh, that's a hard question, too. You got me on the spot. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't anticipating to make me go. You know, I'm pretty, Chris, you know, just speaking, generally speaking, I'm pretty open-minded, and I will give anything a chance, but I'm just trying to think of something that was just totally... Oh, yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, is there like something like like a, a drama or like maybe you're you're not into that? Like you usually don't gravitate towards this genre of of things, but something in it like totally resonated with you on on something somewhere. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, um, trying to think of something I've watched recently. Well, I tell you what, um, mm-hmm. I was watching. Well, I'm watching the series Dirty John. I don't know if you're familiar with that on, no. on Netflix. No, uh, but but it's something I probably wouldn't watch. Um, it's about this um, guy, and he has manipulated women um, on different levels. It's based on a true story, and how he just kind of just is able to capture someone, and you know the signs are there, but no one's paying attention, and you know he takes them financially, you know advantage on different levels something i usually wouldn't watch but you know i find myself intrigued in the story on on netflix just because of the 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 struggles that i see the victims experiencing from him and trying to understand and get in his head uh is interesting so this is a series that i would not have chosen but it has definitely captured my attention I think I know what you're talking about. Say the least, that, yes. That sort of uh, reverse dynamic where yes. the character, the lead character, is a complete scumbag. Uh huh. And uh-huh. there, but yeah. it's not just him; it's the world yeah. he's in, and how you know, he, even though he's a scumbag, he's in this interesting world with these multi-layered characters. Yes. Okay, yes. that I I know what you're talking about. I've mm-hmm. I've seen that dynamic in uh-huh. this other series. Yeah. On Netflix called BoJack Horseman. Oh, I've heard where, of that. I haven't watched it, but I've heard of that. Yeah, Will okay. Arnett voices this out of work actor who is okay. an absolute dirtbag. Oh, but okay. you know, I mean, there are some lovable, redeeming qualities of him. But it's uh-huh. just the world that he lives in, and how it functions, and how he functions as a celebrity in it. That is just, you know, it it is absolute. I haven't finished it. So I, I can't mm-hmm. say for definitively, but from what I've seen up to, it is, it is you know, a fascinating thing. So mm-hmm. what you're talking about, I totally get it. Uh-huh. I, I totally get it. I, I yeah. get it. Yeah. And, so. and I, I usually don't go for those series. Um, but, I don't either. And yeah. I'm like, huh, okay, what's going to happen next? Then? I think that's what, um, what is that, the Breaking Bad. Oh, I know. I, now, I've watched maybe like an episode two, but I have not followed it. But I've heard yeah. a lot of my you know colleagues and friends talk about that series. Yeah, I think that sort of it. I think it started there, 
mm-hmm. where okay. it, we have this character who is this sort of flawed character. Uh-huh. And he's sort of, you know, in this scummy that you're not supposed to like him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's, there is something redeeming in him because, you know, you see those struggles in yourself type of thing. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, we're, we're all, we're all scum in a way. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. You know, so long as you learn from it and grow. Yeah. There was this thing in Bojack Horseman where he's constantly hurting people. And one of his, his friends says to him, you know, it's like, you know, you can't keep apologizing. You have to grow. You know, you have to get better. You have to be better. And and that's sort of that sort of struggle that, you know, we all go through is, yeah, we, we make our mistakes. We say our uncouth. Uh, we may, you know, say something that may be off kilter with where, you know, things are going. We may go against the grain. But, you know, you, if it's a constant where we we are constantly doing it and we're not growing from it, you know, then, then you know, I mean, how are things going to get better? And that's why I'm so, you know, like like we were talking about the Hugh Jackman thing earlier, where mm-hmm. where Hugh Jackman, people were trying to cancel him and he really didn't go against the grain. It's just this sort of mob mentality that was so stuck on, 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 you know, they were they going after him because, you know, he wasn't, you know, perceived as, you know, quote unquote, doing enough or whatever, or he didn't say whatever it is that no matter what, he'll, he'll never placate them. He'll never, it will never be enough. And, and the thing is, you know, I, I mean, I don't know him. He's a, he's a celebrity, whatever, but I doubt he's a bad person. Mm -hmm. He was trying, the intent was clear in his, in his message that he wanted unity and peace. But for some reason he's being attacked for that. Yeah. I know, Mm -hmm. I know. And, and it's, it's, it's horrible. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just a thing. And I think in, and in those types of series, I'm sure there are moments where the main character will do something. He'll make the right choice. Mm -hmm. And that's when you'll, you'll absolutely love him. But then he'll go back into his sort of, you know, like, oh, I, I screwed up again type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you, you come on. You were so close, you know, type of thing. I'm, have you have you ever had those moments? I, like, I know I have. I'm just <laughs> trying to think of my most recent one. But, yes, uh, I'm sure that I've had in my life. Um, I'm just trying to think of a recent one that's not all the top of my head. But, yes, I have, Chris. Yeah. I know I have. Yeah, no and, and and it's just it's just a thing, you know, uh-huh. and and I think is that, you know, I'm and I I just I cannot wait for the world to finally get back to normal or whatever it is. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, I oh, miss I miss shopping. <laughs> I know so many things, you know, yeah. just hanging out with your your good friends on mm-hmm. a you know Friday night or you know or just. Yeah, I know. I mean, I I can't wait to I can't wait for conventions to start up again. Yes. Oh, I miss those so much. <sighs> I was talking to a friend of mine the other day um, mm. about that. Just how much we miss the going to the comic cons or the festivals and just just miss that so much. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I look forward to that day as many as many do. Yeah, and the, and the thing is, 
you know, I mean, yeah, the world has changed. We have to deal with, we have to be more careful. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you know, I mean, we were living so dangerously before. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, we can, we can adapt. We can totally adapt. But even though we were living so dangerously before, I mean, we were still careful mm-hmm. somewhat. I mean, I'm yeah. sure you've had a bottle of sanitizer at your table. Oh, gosh, yes. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So so this uh-huh. new stuff, we can adapt. We can definitely. We always, and you know what? We always have. Yeah. And we always will as human beings. And the um, thing is, the, the face masks, uh-huh. the, the, the otakus, the weaves at the anime conventions, they, yes. were, they were rocking that stuff way before any pandemic. Right. You're so right. <laughs> you are so right about that. Yeah. And, and, um, and, it's, and, and it's gotten to a point that we're starting to commercialize it. So, cause yeah. everybody's tired oh, of, yes. yeah, we're, we're tired of the boring face mask. And now mm-hmm. we're like, Oh, I want one with battle angel Alita on it. Or, or, no kidding. I'll have or... to send you a, a picture of your moms <laughs> later. I'm going to send you some pictures. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's just a, it's just a thing. Um, it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and, okay. I, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you before on the last yeah. episode, this, this may be, you know, off kilter. It may be a little bit insensitive and I, I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. It's an old question, but oh, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> I'm kind of scared now, but it's okay. 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 Ask away. What is up with black people and King of Fighters, the, the arcade game? arcade game yeah because it's it's like you know because because some 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 stuff out there has a really large black audience Uh like Uh dragon ball z you go to an anime convention if if a lot of a large majority of of the black people that you run into there they they they're everybody loves dragon ball z Uh it's either Uh that or sailor moon you know it it and and it's just everybody's just decked out in this Dragon Ball Z and and I I remember one year I did uh, I had my girlfriend dressed up as one of the King of Fighters characters uh-huh. and and it's like and we were just swarmed and and people were like oh let me let me get your picture let me get your picture and it's like all the people that that were that were taking her picture they, they were all black <laughs> and you know what let me I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not familiar with King of Fighters. My husband could be, but I am not. So yeah. I can honestly, I can't answer that question. I can do some, I'm going to do some research since you brought it up. <laughs> it, it's, sort of, it it's sort of, it's sort of a, it's sort of a joke question. Mm-mm. You know, it's like, oh, like what's up with, with white people in this thing? And I was like, no. I remember like, well, what's up with, you know, black people and, and King of Fighters. And when I'm, I'm doing tons of King of Fighters art and it's like, and, and a lot of the likes are coming from, you know, um, you know, like lots of black people, <laughs> lots, of, lots of black profiles well, and stuff like that. And, you know, and if, if I had to guess, you know, <laughs> like I said, I need to do my research about it, but if I had to guess, if if there, if you are finding you know people of color attracted to this particular game, I would imagine it has to do with something about the characters must really be um, they must be characters that they can really relate to or um, for whatever reason um, they're attracted to these characters. 
Well, like I said, I, I, I don't just know noticed, a lot about yeah. them. I would have to really. I just noticed it. that that game has a very large like POC audience. Tremendous. Okay. I mean, and um, I'm thinking back, like a few years back, uh, my friend he used to, one of my friends he used to uh, manage fighting tournaments. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Um, for arcades, uh, arcade yeah. fighting tournaments, and and I would go down there, and it's tons of 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 people of color. Just, and and I I just I'm, I mean like huh. yeah, it, it's sort of it's it's just something that I that I've that I've noticed now I'm I'm probably the people listening at home are like oh he's being culturally insensitive I really, you know, no I, I really don't know the game so let me let me do some research because <laughs> I'm I'm curious myself since you said it yeah because this, um, I'm mean, sure there's there's reasons behind it yeah. why why they're attracted to it um so. I'll definitely look into that. I'm gonna have to ask my husband about it too. See if he, <laughs> yeah, he's the game. You know, I'm not a gamer. Okay, yeah. I just kind of watched him in and out, but I'm gonna ask him about it later and yeah. see what he tells me because I'm curious. Yeah, and and it, yeah, and I'm not trying to you know you know be insensitive and say it's it's just no. something that I've noticed. No, but I'm that, curious. But you know, that's that's but, why I said earlier about you know surprise audiences from out of nowhere. That's okay because. You know, I think there's a lot of things out there, Chris, that certain, whether it's certain individuals or certain, yeah. uh, whether it's female, able, male, yeah. people of color. Yeah, they're able to pull in a, a demographic, friend. And some yeah, people. But there's a reason yeah. why I'm sure that something some about just, that. Yeah, some folks just resonate with something for uh -huh. some reason. But I'm going to, I'm going to look that up. You got me. <laughs> you got my mind wondering about that. So. <laughs> I'm going to think about it, and I'm going to send you something later once I <laughs> do a little research about this. Yeah, because yeah, it's – I mean, I'm just – I'm the reason that I'm big on it because um, – uh -huh. well, Yeah, why are you big on it? Tell me about it. Well, one of the character designs was like – I'm like, oh, I just fell in love visually with this character. Uh-huh. It's the character of Vanessa. Uh, okay. So just look up KOF Vanessa. Okay. She's, okay. A, she's like a, a boxing character. And it's just something about that visual aesthetic where I just, I like, oh, my waifu, oh, my okay. anime waifu type of thing where I just, I dig the character so much. And she okay. has a simple design. Okay. And I, and, and I remember getting, you know, one of my past girlfriends, getting her to, to dress up as a character was the highlight of my, was one of the many highlights of my life. Where okay. we went to a anime convention um, in downtown, and and I was like, uh, to, to get her dressed up as the character, and 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 she just got so much attention, and which is funny because she's so awkward and she was so awkward and shy. <laughs> and 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 it's like, and I remember going through the the we we had a struggle making the top for uh -huh. her because. You know, I mean, no one, no one made a, a shirt that small, and she had. We had to get it customized and stuff like that. I had to oh. pay one of my seamstress friends to to um, to tailor it, to tailor like a an outfit like specifically so that she could wear it like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And 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 oh boy, I, I just tell you the 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 night in the hotel room that that night was 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 magical. I got to, I got to live out that fantasy. So I'll, I'll just leave that there. Well, good yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I will, I will, I 
will. I will definitely look more into that because I'm. You got me curious about that. So. Yeah, and, and Boy, you know, I'm and gonna ask my, my I'm gonna ask my my friends about it too. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just it's just I I don't understand. Oh, I I mean I just I wonder what's the allure. I mean I kind well, of understand. It must be something. It must be something. Yeah, I understand it's why that, I like it's stuff. It's that big a following, you but, know. But I'm sort of curious why some things have the have the draw that they have to a particular fan base. And yeah. I'm, just, I'm just curious about that because, you know, it's, it's just, it's just a wild thing because, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, like Steven universe, um, mm-hmm. the LGBT movement, they love mm-hmm. the hell out of Steven universe. Yeah, they figured just... out how to capitalize on that mm. on such a strong way that I, I think maybe that's why other companies are trying to recreate that and unfortunately failing because they don't know what the it factor is that makes mm-hmm. it so appealing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, and it, and it's just, and it's, you know, and you don't know what the it factor is. It, mm-hmm. It's so hard to put your thumb on it. And mm-hmm. like battle angel Alita, for some reason, mm-hmm. I I mean, I loved it because I'm an old school anime fan, but I know. around I th- here, I thought it was sad that I didn't do it. Yeah, well around here in San Antonio, and I didn't know about yeah. her, honestly. My husband did. I didn't. Yeah. And the and thing so is, I was introduced to her yeah. for, on film. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was really intrigued by her. You know? Well, I guess since the production, since the release of the movie, the Hispanic audience for Battle Angel Alita has exploded. I believe it. Everybody. I believe it. Everybody I run into, every. Every you know fellow Hispanic that I run into mm-hmm. knows Battle Angel Alita, and they love the hell out of it. Did they they love the why? movie. Did they tell you why they love it? So? Well, I think it's the movie. The movie was made. It was directed by Robert Rodriguez, who has uh-huh. Uh-huh. he started off making um, Spanish language action films, mm-hmm. and and he was always this sort of you know uh, homegrown type of local hero. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had a large Hispanic audience uh-huh. and wherever he went, he took it, he took it with him. He left something for the, he always, he always played to that crowd and, and, and he had something, he always left something for there and, and everyone loves it. It's sort of like a flavor in his films. And he directed that movie and it was like produced by James Cameron and, and all that stuff. Um, he hired predominantly uh, a Hispanic cast. Uh-huh. And, I see. And everybody, you know, everybody, everybody sees so much in, in themselves, like in that movie. Yeah. And it's just, it's a great movie. It's, it's just, yeah. it's a good movie. I mean, is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. There, I mean, there are some criticisms there, but overall it's a fun flick. It's, yeah. it's so much fun. It really was. I, I that's a movie. You know how there's some movies you like. You can just like when you're passing, when you're like, you know, surfing through the tube, yeah. and you stop, and it's like that's one that I would always stop on. Yeah, and start watching it from wherever it is because I yeah. love the storyline. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, and I think since the the HBO Max is putting money into the Snyder Cut. Mm-hmm. And that's causing mm-hmm. a lot of buzz. Yes. And yeah, so I many people that want that so much. The the mm-hmm. ravenous, passionate families are like, ah, we're going to get it. Ah, 
are, you know, and they're ready to to throw money at it. You yeah, know? yeah, they are. And now, the Alita sequel is starting to gain momentum again. Oh, good. And good. I, I think I'm glad to hear that. It was uh, originally people were criticizing it. It got a lot of bad press. I know. For, unfortunately, I because I'll I'll tell you why. Because of it came out the same time as Captain Marvel. And oh. people felt that it was taking away from that audience because Captain okay. Marvel was being pushed so much as this is the ultimate female empowerment mm-hmm. film, even mm-hmm. though women have been powerful in superhero movies since way before her. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 not nothing new, but it was presented as something new. Mm-hmm. And yeah. for that media, for some reason, the media felt that Battle Angel Alita was a threat. Mm. To that, that if this film didn't, if one film overshadowed the other, then that meant that there was something wrong here. And that was the media doing it. It wasn't the audience. Mm. They had, those two movies had completely separate audiences. You know, um, the people who were going to see uh, Battle Angel, they were, they were anime nerds. They were cyberpunk nerds. Um, They weren't traditional uh, they they love comics and stuff. I, I mean, well, the Venn diagram overlapped a lot as far as a key audience. People can enjoy both movies, but they yeah. weren't the same audience initially. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, I think that yeah. that happened recently with the Sonic the Hedgehog movie and the mm-hmm. Birds of Prey film, where mm. where they're both they're both good movies, but they're they're aimed at separate audiences. Yeah. But mm-hmm. for some reason, the press wanted to pit them against each other. And because of that, one got negative press for, for, yeah. and it's, it's, it sucks because it's, a, they're both, I've heard they're both good movies. I mean, I haven't seen Birds of Prey. I have not either. It's, but I plan to watch it, but I have not seen that one. It has its criticisms, but overall, mm-hmm. people say it's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. It's a fun movie. And that's yeah, all. Yeah. That's sure all I need, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I and, I, and I think that's what happens when I guess the criticism of well, people are trying to push agendas into movies, mm. and I see it as well, they're trying to experiment and grab new a new audience, and and that's where we were we we're talking earlier about you know there's room to experiment. Yes, that, it is. That you can have both. You can have mm-hmm. both. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think in an effort when the, when the press tried to push that film, they were just trying to push the agenda. They weren't trying to push the fun popcorn yeah, film stuff. Yeah, which is it's, that's the best part. Yeah, and that's something that yeah. that we all can enjoy. Oh yeah, and especially times like this, you need some positive yeah, energy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and you know, I mean, they were all trying to to, I guess, replicate the. I think they were they were trying to replicate the success of the Wonder Woman film. Oh, but yeah. they probably didn't point. understand uh-huh. what it was that made Wonder Woman so appealing. Exactly, and her story is just yeah. oh my gosh. And and the actress Gal Gadot, she was just such a lovable character yeah. when she did when she yeah. did press. She she never said this movie is a female empowerment film, girls only. No. She said this movie's for so- everyone. That's right. And even on That's this new right. this new press thing, she's she's out there. This movie's for everybody, boys, mm-hmm. girls, whatever. Mm-hmm. This movie's for everybody. Yes, and I love it. Yeah. I 
love that. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. I I mean I'm I hear that Cheetah's gonna be uh yes. one of the protagonists. Uh-huh. I love the character of Cheetah. Uh-huh. And she's being played by Christian Wig. Yes. Which I'm, I, I'm really curious to see. Yeah, I mean I I saw her in the Ghostbusters film. That's the only thing I know her from is from the Ghostbusters oh. film. Okay, you didn't watch Bridesmaids. No, yep. no. Okay, okay. No, I mean, <laughs> I. Comedy, but... <laughs> if if I saw her in Ghostbusters and mm-hmm. she was oh she was okay in that movie, I think I got more out of the deleted scenes as oh. far as her acting range okay. than I did in the initial release. The theatrical release, there was a scene where she talked about where she was being uh, harassed by uh, uh, a blogger on the street. Oh. Uh-huh. And that one scene developed so much for her character. And I'm like, why would you leave that out of the movie? I know. That... It just makes you like, wow, that would have been so good. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and, and because of that, I'm like, I want to see her take the character of, of Cheetah. I want to see, I'm curious what she's going to do with it. Now, they haven't shown Cheetah as like full-fledged, you know, uh, beast mode. Okay. Yet. But I'm, uh-huh. I, I, I do this thing where like, okay, I'll watch trailers up to a point because they mm-hmm. spoil too much. I know. I know. Sometimes I don't like to watch it. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, I know what the whole movie's about. I know. So, mm-hmm. Like the Captain America trailer. I did not watch any Captain America I trailers. I love Captain America, but I'm like, yeah, I did not want yeah. to watch anything. I wanted to I, just wait. I wanted to go in that movie cold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and even though um, Mo- the Morpheus trailer showed us a lot, it intrigued me. But yes. it did the thing where it didn't give you everything. Exactly, just gave you just enough. Yeah, and 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 further ahead, if there are any more Morpheus trailers, I'm not going to watch them. Yeah, I'm yeah. not either. I'm good with what I watched. Yeah, I'm going to go see it, but I I cannot watch any more trailers of that. Yeah, I'm good. But, I, yeah. I totally <laughs> yeah. understand. Yeah, and and I guess we'll we'll go ahead and we'll we'll go ahead and put a pin in it right here. Okay. This this has All been right. fantastic. You've had some things you wanted to wrap us up with. Go ahead. I do. I do want to leave you with one quotation mm-hmm. that I just thought was fitting for everything we talked about <clears throat> today. So I'm going to leave with that, and then I'm going to let you close it. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. Okay. All right. Okay, Chris, this is by Walter John Williams. I came across this um, recently, and I never heard of it before, but it really um, touched me and uh, makes sense, and I think it fit this. Mm. I'm not afraid of werewolves or vampires or haunted hotels. I'm afraid of what real real human beings do to other real human beings. (laughs) Oh, I've heard that so much in the paranormal field. Yeah, but I, I have not. I have not yeah. heard that. And, I, and I, I didn't come, I just was my first time, and I was like, wow, I yeah. get it. So, anyhow. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, and thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Um, thank I, you. B- behind the scenes, we're going to, I'm going to try to have you come back, and we'll just, we'll probably discuss other topics as well. But thank you so much for taking the time. I know this this audience that you were expecting a Morpheus um, rundown breakdown that and me and Miracle we will do the Morpheus breakdown when the film is released. Yes, we um, will. But right now we got to get through this. 
That's right. And we will stick together. Right. I mean, you know, there, there's more that, that brings us together than tears us apart. And don't, don't get hung up on the, on the small shit on Twitter. It's, that's not who we are as, as a people. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to our, <laughs> listen to the show and, and listen to us on the phone, you know, scroll through your Twitter feed and all that stuff, but don't be consumed by it because you know how how you how much you post on something or how much you po- don't post on something that doesn't define you how you treat the people around you how you interact with the people around you your your friends and stuff the real people that you engage with in your daily life that is going to define you more than you know a a clickety clack clickbait article ever will and and how much you you like or or don't like something you know, that, that that's not important. What's important is the conversations that we all have. Um, like, like me and Miracle, we got into it. We skirted some sensitive issues. Uh-huh. Yeah. But overall, you know, we, you know, we, we get along, you know, it's, 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 I, I think, I think we did a great job. I do. And, and I, I was, I was glad to, to have you back. And it's been like tons of fun and I look forward to more conversations with you and going forward. I'm going to try to, now that I'm trying to get the show started up again, I'm going to try to see if I can get, you know, I'm, I'm reaching out. There are more interviews that have been lined up as we can schedule them, but please understand that there's a lot going on. I might not be able to get out as many shows as I, as I would like. I want to keep the interview format where mm-hmm. I bring on, you know, interesting people to talk to. Because one of the things that I started this podcast for was so I could have an excuse to talk to cool people like Miracle and mm-hmm. and, and and interesting people and have great conversations and and talk about stuff that that maybe doesn't get as as talked about in the in the mainstream and stuff or or stuff that you can we can embellish on in polite company and it's it's sort of a that's why i held off from doing the show for quite a while it's been uh, quite a few weeks um so people that i've i've been you know doing i've been on other shows and talking about other stuff but as far as a lot of that just simply has to do with scheduling so with that, I'm going to try, I have like a lot of guests lined up and we just need to, I just need to get, you know, just knock it out and get all that stuff done. But I, there is more to come and thank you for joining us and thank you, Miracle, for coming on board. And you're so welcome, Chris, and thank you so much. I appreciate you and you stay safe and I look forward to communicating with you and doing this again in the future. All right. Thank you and good night. Mm-hmm.